0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on March the 13th, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, dropping the charges.
1: Caffeine Rage.
0: On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this week. Trump meets with the ESA and the ESRB at a roundtable. Artifact, Valve is making games again. Fortnite is coming to mobile and will support crossplay with PC and consoles. We'll have our weekly community corner with a question this week and our Steam weekly Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello. Hello.
1: How are you? Oh well, I've re- uh, recovered from the concussion after reading the news.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And you've come back wanted, from the salt mine.
0: I was be that was beyond salt. <laughs> that was that was Taking a bile. stick of dynamite and chucking it in the salt mine instead of using my usual pickaxe and hand drill.
1: Yeah. I, oh, I, I think I didn't have as big of a, a, a response because I was really expecting that. And I guess we should say the House Intelligence Committee, sorry, uh, uh, found uh, no collusion, so... And Jared went off when I linked that to him.
0: Yeah, so last night we went to uh, some of our friend's house to have game night. We try and have game night every two or three weeks with them. So I was completely oblivious. I'd had a good time playing Dead of Winter for like three and a half hours. Oh, that's a really good board game. Uh, Even though I think... I.
1: Well, we had a couple of people in the group that didn't was a little tired of zombies. And last time we played, I kind of threw the game for everyone when I realized I was an unwinnable situation because I was the uh, the betrayer. Yeah, which is yeah perfectly uh, logical for the betrayer. It's like I'll screw you all over.
0: Yeah, no, we we had never played it with with our friends before, so we taught them how to play, and we had a blast. It's it's fun. On uh, tabletop, but it's just because there's so many pieces, it's kind of fiddly on tabletop. So it's a much better game to play in person. And yeah, we had a blast. I so imagine I if someone
1: had a uh, uh, VR and was able to handle it really well, it's probably very quick to set up on tabletop.
0: Yeah, um, but we we had a, we were having a grand old time, and then we got home, and I sat down at my computer, and I saw the news, and I blew a gasket. <laughs> I'm. Honestly, not very proud of what I did last night, but I'm, I'm leaving it because, you know, sticking with your choices and all of that. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. I mean, I was
1: expecting a a result when I just saw you just go silent. I thought, oh, he's on Twitter. Go over to your, uh, recent tweets. Holy shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the news was not unexpected, but it was, like, one of those things. It just broke something in my brain. If you're interested, people, I'm I'm leaving it. I'm leaving it. So you can go look at my Twitter account, at JMA4707.
1: Ding. Ding.
0: And you can see the, the tirade I went off on. And then I went to bed. Actually, no, I, I, I went and I watched Judge Dredd. Or no, not Judge Dredd, the new Judge Dredd movie, which is just just Dredd. Dredd.
1: Which, uh, uh, turns out it's gonna be a
0: documentary. It might be. It might be.
1: Do you think the future, we're gonna end up with a mixture, of uh, Judge Dread or, sorry, Dread and Idiocracy?
0: Maybe. I hope I'm killed in the apocalypse, though, if that happens. Uh, well, uh,
1: to be honest, uh, most people die in the apocalypse anyway. Uh, everybody's the preparing ap- uh, for the all-out war, but what's the odds of them actually surviving?
0: i am just—I'm gonna go stand in in the in the path of the nuclear bombs or the nuclear missiles and just wait for my demise. Although where I live, I guess Oak Ridge would be have the potential to be a target. I think I'm, otherwise. Uh, there's nothing near me that justifies a target. So I
1: think I'm on, on the three hundred or two hundred list. But hey, maybe we'll get some neat mutant
0: powers, or just turn into ghouls. I would be okay with being a ghoul, I think. Which uh thinking of ghoul, that video games. Yeah, that's a that's a good video game segue since you know ghouls are in that their Fallout game.
1: Yeah, which although be, not uh, it was played well, Fallout. Uh well not anymore, but we'll come
0: back around to Fallout in a little bit. Did we put that on the news
1: topic? No, that's uh in the ESA thing.
0: Oh, okay. Okay.
1: So I've only played two games this week, and I don't think I could get any further between my two games if I tried. <laughs> Both on quality, genre, and me wanting to go back and play them some more. So, let's start off with the Sunday Sampler. Uh Sega Kagura Peach Beach Splash. Oh, boy. A little bit behind the scenes for the Sunday Sampler for me. Uh, Whenever I um, do doing my uh, uh, final thoughts before doing my recording, I uh, open up open Office and I make bullet points. And then I hand write them onto paper because I'm old and I don't have a tablet nearby to be able to just reference while I'm uh, chattering away during a video and usually somewhat inarticulately. Usually it's about a page of bullet points. For this game, I had three. And let's start okay. off with the DLC for this fucking thing. Because that's where I started in my video. Three hundred fucking dollars of DLC. And the fun part is not all of it is cosmetics. Some of this is power. Because this game, it solved what Battlefront 2 did. It was like, hold my sake. <laughs>
0: be because Japanese, huh? Uh, uh, I see what uh. you did there.
1: This has the potential for being the most imbalanced fucking game I've seen in quite a while. Because, well, you mentioned it when we found this on the Discovery queue. I knew about it before that, but, uh, or, but I didn't really pay attention to the card system. The card system is, well, one of the really about two or three things that really breaks this game for me. As you play, you get Zanny, which is the in-game currency, to go to the in-game shop and buy card packs, as well as cosmetics for your girls and that sort of thing. This is a a titillation third-person shooter, for lack of a better term. And the cards are your power-ups, but they also, as you get duplicates, they allow you to level up your skills. And the fun part is, different rarities of cards have massive differences in power a four star barrier card that I got uh, on the video was if memory serves like five times stronger than the rare than just the rare or standard card that I had also in my uh, collection and you could stack them the game works as essentially a CCG third person shooter with, with tips. And the power up system is essentially just a miniature deck of about 10 cards. And you could stack the same type of card over and over again. Not the same exact card, but each effect has at least one of every rarity. So, if you just keep stacking the individual cards of that type, for example, Barrier, which is probably the most egregious example, at least in the limited time that played, you could constantly be putting a barrier on yourself and making yourself in-fucking-vincible. And this has multiplayer, by the way. Can you imagine how much fun this is?
0: Uh, About this much. I'm doing a visual gag on an, audio- on, on an audio-only show. That yeah, but match.
1: but it about works. Uh, and as you get duplicates of cards, uh, you start uh, can turn those into uh, levels for the cards, which also, and here's the fun part, even if you're not doing the barrier thing and just doing a pretty standard deck, you can level up your girl, which gives you more and more health. The girl i decided to just start leveling up, she had over twice as much health as the level ones after hardly any time playing. so you could see where this could be a little bit of a balance issue. this is worse than what Battlefront 2 ever was. <laughs> Only difference was that battlefront 2 uh, it was paid in. but then again in the DLC there are a couple of the DLCs which also are fucking expensive for what they are. There are card packs. Direct power. Yeah. Oh. So, let's talk about the gameplay because we haven't even touched on that. First of all, the controls. The controls were fucking abysmal. In order to play this with mouse and keyboard without rebonding the entire fucking thing, which thankfully you can, because they at least did that, you need three hands because it's WSAD for movement. Mouse for aiming, obviously, which the mouse um, aiming is sluggish as hell, even with the, even with the sensitivity of the camera turned up and the DPI on my mouse turned up, it was still sluggish. That should be saying something. The power-ups by default on all three of the profiles were on arrow keys.
0: How the hell okay. are you supposed to hit that? And, Have a and, third hand, obviously.
1: Um, maybe it's the mutants that were playing the Nintendo sixty four. Uh, but in the original launch, before they patched it to for the uh, default control schemes to make a little bit more sense, jump was on ah. They eventually, uh, when they patched it to try to fix some of the crashing issues, which we'll get to crashing and uh, just FPS issues in a little bit. It was just uh, fucking believable. If it's not the worst uh, default controls I've ever seen, it's definitely up there. And then we get to the actual gameplay. Well, this is a more movement-based game with a jetpack and a jet dash. But they all use the same ammo as your gun. So as you're moving around... You're depleting the ammo from your gun. Am I the only one that sees this as a problem? Uh. So you jet forward. Then you have to stop and reload. And when you reload, you duck down and pump your gun. So you just negated all your movement. And no matter what gun you use, it has this long reload cycle that it slowly builds up until it finally... Uh, is loading fairly quickly, but only the weapons that have just massive ammo pools, like the Gatling gun, really get to that point. It's just... It feels like they penalize you for actually using your movement. Granted, you don't really need to if you're playing single player, because... I think the best thing I can say about the AI is... It functions. Condo. <laughs> okay. The AI... I played for about seven hours, six or seven hours, which some of it was trying to resolve a crashing issue, which was in the base game. And uh, and some of the menus, the FPS is just dog shit, no matter what you do or what settings you have on, which there's limited graphic settings to begin with. I saw the AI running in circles, the uh, single player is pretty much just two teams throwing uh, themselves at one another with no semblance of strategy whatsoever. Uh, The AI rarely makes use of a jetpack, and that's only when they're jumping from preset platforms to one another. I never saw the AI use the jet dash, which makes me think that the jet dash is just there for, you know, uh, uh, having something dangling off the girl's ass. Oh, yeah. And the AI never tried to revive. If, uh, uh the game does an interesting thing with its uh, health system where there's essentially a two part health system. Uh, once you drop to uh, 50% health, you essentially, uh, hit a uh, break where you get stunned for a moment, uh, get knocked back and get a temporary shield put on you. Okay. And then when you drop to zero, that's, uh, you're dead, and then you, uh, respawn, unless you're in, uh, one of the single-player missions, uh, during the story, which then you just lose a life. The AI never tried to revive anyone that was downed. Ever.
0: Yeah. Oh, can, can- you tell I didn't like this game? Sounds that way. Uh, let's am, see. Am I deterred from wanting this game? No no I'm not well you just want
1: tits but honestly there's better uh, t- uh animate booby games out there because this game is heavily censored Man, there, uh there are mods to fix that but mm. uh content wise the there's uh the victory road or v road see v uh, uh yeah uh where it's four tournaments with five tiers each uh just you know, pretty much just straight up uh Death match. Okay. Uh, uh one team against another, uh, and there, it's the uh, the story is that uh, it's an ancient uh, shinobi tradition of water gun battles because Japan. Right. Yeah, like you do, and the four uh, uh, shinobi schools in, in this world are fighting one another. And they're streaming it live on on YouTube. Or sorry, YouTube, because, but it looks like YouTube with uh, tits in the background. Uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, they just definitely want to uh, be parading around uh, in bikinis on uh, the internet. Uh, but uh, during the Victory Road, it's the two teams, the two full teams from each of the schools uh, fighting in uh, essentially a tournament against one another. And you have to beat all five of the, uh, uh, in uh, all five tiers of the tournament of that particular set of the, uh, of the, of the victory road, uh, to progress. If you lose any one of them, which it feels damn arbitrary because of how the AI just throws themselves at one another, uh, you get sent back to the start. If you quit during any of those, you get sent back to the start So, it's frustrating because there was a couple times that uh, my team was just running around in circles. Literally. So, it was be against the entire enemy team. uh, Which, I could uh, fight off some of them, but you know, five on like two or three. And it doesn't do a respawn wave like most uh, shooters do. It's just as soon as the uh, respawn timer's up, you're back in. So, Yeah, If you get a bad setup, you'll just have your uh, team slowly trickling in the entire time, which is also frustrating, as well as just the numerous cards that have either stuns or knockdowns, and the knockdowns and the melee attacks are very long animations and very slow to get out of, which just leaves you as a sitting duck. Thankfully, the AI is too fucking brain dead to make use of it. But multiplayer, I'm sure you know, you get knocked down,
0: you're dead. Oh. Still haven't deterred you because anime movies, right? Right. So I'm dropping a link into chat for you to go look at a game. And this is what I think of whenever you you're talking about this game, except the game that I just gave you a link to, Rumble Roses Double X, mm-hmm. was actually a good wrestling game. Uh because when I, so what I thought when I saw this, Sinren Kagura, Peach Beach, Splash, was kind of what I thought about Roses, which is, uh, I, like, I would pull this out from my college dorm, and everyone would be like, hey, hey, boobies, let's play the booby game. And we'd all laugh for 10 minutes, and then everyone would get quiet because it was like a really, it was actually a good game. And so we'd forget about the boobies, and we'd actually just be playing a, a decent wrestling game. No, this, uh, that's kind of uh, like what I, I th- there's so many Sinren things Kagura in it that just,
1: Uh, It kind of takes me out of it. Uh, It does the, it does a single gun and uh, a melee weapon that's, you know, pulled out of hammer space. Right? And that's it for uh, guns. Oh, and also the guns are leveled up, and as they level, they get extremely powerful. So it'll be more down to who spent the most time or who, you know, got a bit lucky, because, yeah. (sighs) Oh. let's see what else uh oh something else i didn't mention about the controls which okay the game shows gamepad controls no matter what if you're playing with okay. mouse and keyboard you'll have no fucking idea what some of the controls are particularly if you want to go through the menus in some places, to go back, you right-click. and others, you have to hit uh, shift. In others, you have to hit tab. Good luck trying to remember which is which. It never tells you mouse and keyboard controls. Ever. And for some of uh, the more titillating areas of the game, you're just going to sit there, hitting a key and see if it does something. Hit a key, see if it does something. The game may as well not be in fucking English. Okay. I mean, I was, uh, I, was I, I was not I was... expecting this to be. Well, I guess the proper term uh, would be like Overwatch. You yeah, know, something really polished. But this game is dog shit.
0: Right. So it's not a good game. It's just it, look at the girls in bikinis. It's
1: not a good game because of balance issues. It's not a good game because of crashing issues. I couldn't even get multiplayer to connect, and. Even if I could, there's a lot of people on the uh, discussion forums talking about how some of the DLC is just causing people to crash out if they don't own it. And because there's $300 of DLC, it's, yeah, you know, good luck figuring out which one is which. Uh, uh, they could, uh, the controls are a bit floaty. There's, uh, you would expect the game to have for, if you pardon the wordplay, a bit of fluidity to it with the jetpack and the jet dash, but you can't use one immediately after the other. So you can't jet uh, jetpack up and then jet dash to try to get some uh, mobility. It's one or the other, and there's a long delay in between the two. To the point where I'm not sure if I ever was able to jet dash in the air. It may be a limitation of the game itself, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things that. They should work together, because there are two completely different parts of uh, of the equipment on the girl. It's just... In order to even hit anything because of how sluggish the camera was, I had to actually turn on the aim assist in the game. And the aim assist is so strong that it was pointing the general direction, and I was hitting things. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I fought in your general direction! And I could only imagine how frustrating that would be online, because that's a built-in feature. Uh, the Even ignoring the online component and focusing on single player, it's lacking because there's no arcade mode. There's no, you know, just pick two uh, teams and throw them together, or pick a custom uh, team and throw them together. It's the Victory Road, which is a set series of uh, tiered tournaments there's the story mode which each of the school uh, each of the four schools have four or sorry uh, uh, has 10 missions with some visual novel-esque uh, story bits in between and most of those missions are extremely short and they're all essentially horde mode where you're going through uh, the multiplayer maps but the multiplayer maps are just filled with uh, random dunes essentially that you're fighting uh, occasionally you'll have a fight with another team, but that's a rarity. And then there's the Paradise episodes, which is short stories for smaller groups than the uh, full uh, school teams. But those are five uh, missions each. And the one I did, I'm not, sh- I could have gotten unlucky on it, on uh, my length, but One mission was a minute. All four of the others were 30 seconds each. It took me longer to load and go through the story bits, which the story bits weren't even visual novels, they were basically just text windows, than to actually play the missions. Alrighty. So yeah, if you want a completely unbalanced piece of shit with tits, I hardly recommend Peach Beach Splash. But if you want to play something actually competent, or, you know, have better titillation in another game because this is centered out the wazoo, my fact you can't even see the wazoo because of light beams. <laughs>
0: That's just how I like my wazoo, uh,
1: covered in then, light beams. Uh, I was just checking out something else. So I think All final right. thoughts are, no sir, I don't like it.
0: Well, that makes me very... Very, very sad. Yet yeah, uh, somehow, strangely aroused. Yeah, I'll still buy it. It'll roll around on sale for like five bucks at some point. Still too much, and then I'll buy it. Yeah, I'm just looking at notes to like, see if there's anything
1: hey. I missed. But yeah, it. I wouldn't even say it's five bucks worth of of uh, fun because you're going to spend at least fifteen or twenty minutes rebinding everything, and then you have to go through the tutorials and the tutorials have all the gamepad controls. So you're having to figure out, okay, what did I rebond this to? Huh. <sighs> so, yeah. Sh- shall we move on to something actually fun?
0: Uh, sure. You can move on. As you wish. So on the complete other end of the spectrum,
1: I played uh, a few hours of Hearts of Iron 4. This was a Christmas gift from Cube, and I finally got around to playing it because we... Had several big uh, uh, projects in between then and uh, now, so I hadn't really been able to sit down and you know, put the time into it. And also, this is a Paradox game, which requires a few hours of tutorials. And I'll say that I don't have a full grasp on this yet. I mean, obviously, it's a Paradox game. But I've enjoyed my time with it so far. I played South Africa which is one of the minor powers just to try to get a feel really on the economy side of things because this is really a game of two halves, uh, trying to manage your uh, country and trying to manage your war effort. And I'll have to say that I probably had the most peaceful run up until when, well, when World War II happened and and this game's history because you couldn't believe just how peaceful things were. There was no conflict in South or, or in Africa at all for South Africa to try to help out with. Uh, the uh, Spanish Civil War was just rolled over and, uh, uh the, uh, now I'm blanking on the sides of the Spanish Civil War, which is terrible on me. Uh, the, uh, rebels just rolled over the Spaniards and, uh, reformed the country uh, in practically no time. So, yeah, I kind of had a bad time to learn the war side of things, but I spent quite a uh, time learning the, the diplomatic side and learning how to control my country. I will say that it is a very deep game, but there's also, at least on uh, a minor power in the early scenario, because you have two scenarios, uh, 1936 and 1939. Uh, Playing on the early scenario in those first three years... If you have a peaceful time, like I did, it is a little bit of, I would almost call a podcast game, where you're just sitting there and, you know, clicking things and, you know, watching things happen. Oh, look, Spain's burning. Let's go watch that for a bit. Uh, but it may have just been bad luck on my part, because uh, Britain didn't call me into anything. Because, you know, South, uh, South Africa was a uh, colony of Great Britain at the time. So, I was just kind of uh, sitting on the sidelines watching uh, things go, which uh, isn't bad, but you know, it doesn't make for a compelling gameplay. And then World War Two started. Uh, let's see. Hitler decided that, you know, Poland uh, looks like a lot of fun. Let's take that, which I think is a natural pastime in Poland, you know, getting invaded. Because isn't their history just full of invasions? I believe so. Uh, then Hungary joined in and they wiped out Poland in practically no time then things got interesting uh the kingdom of Romania had a military coup and decided to attack uh, uh Hungary while uh, Germany focused on trying to get Switzerland <laughs> and just uh, it They rolled over Switzerland, but it was yeah took some some time. But while they were tied up, Hungary was uh, uh, losing uh, uh, territory to Romania. Uh, But yeah, it's one of those games that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of uh, uh, knobs and dials to work with, and probably because I had such a peaceful start, I was so far behind and didn't really understand the military aspect of things, that I'm really out of my depth still. But I think it's going to be something I'm going to be playing on and off for quite a while.
0: Yeah, it doesn't... Sometimes I'm in the mood for a game like that. I've played... I've never played Hearts of Iron, but I have played games like that in the past, Like, most notably on PC, the AXIS, the older AXIS and Allies release.
1: Yeah, well, I had Hearts of Iron Um, 3 uh, from somewhere, but uh, Cube sent me 4 with a good chunk of the DLC from uh, uh, the package that he sent me, which, uh, thank you uh, very much for that. Sorry it took me so long to get around to it, but there was, you know, some major projects in between uh, the two times. I mean, we had uh, Episode 100 to do, we had a couple major game clubs that required a lot of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm... And also
1: I was sick for a good chunk of February.
0: Yeah. Speaking of game club, I think I'm pretty much like I think I could do game club this week. Uh outside I mean, of story, it's right? on time. Huh?
1: Outside of story of course, right?
0: Yeah, outside of the story bits, I think I'm already know how I feel about the game. Yeah, this uh, this is going to be an interesting game club. It's it is. Some good some bad, but yeah, I'll I won't say anymore. Well, hopefully uh, you'll say something you a little bit. Uh, hopefully you'll well, say
1: something in a couple of weeks when Game Club comes around.
0: Yeah, I will. But you know, I've talked to you a little bit more about it, so you know kind of what I'm getting uh-huh. at. But I'm not gonna bring that up two or three weeks ahead of time. What is it? Anyways. Yeah, I, I- didn't mean to derail you there. Uh, it's
1: all right. Uh, the, the paradox games have always kind of intrigued me, but I never really dove into them. Right now, I did pick up a couple in the last paradox humble bundle. I got a uh, uh, Crusader Kings two, pretty much the base edition. Which uh, talking about DLC, huh?
0: Yeah, Crusader Kings has got a lot of it. I've played one of the. I think I played the first Crusader King. Yeah, I have the complete edition of that as well.
1: Uh sometimes, uh, sometimes I should just go into my library and pick like three or four games that I should, uh, you know, sit down and play. Because uh, there's things on my backlog that I've always meant to go back and play, but never really either had the time or the motivation to. But I look forward to understanding a bit more of this, and uh, maybe uh, Cube and I could uh, play cooperatively. Because if I play uh, comparatively with me, uh, I mean, I may as well just uninstall. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I don't know. Cube, do you play like a Kyle? Do you just blow up someone's planet when they've never played the fucking game before, Kyle? Yeah, I'm still bitter about that. It's been like five months, but I'm still bitter.
1: Why do you think I don't uh, play strategy games against them? <laughs> I know better. The only The only winning move is not to play. All right, shall we no. play a game?
0: Uh, shall we? Okay, I mixed that up with the uh, the the saw one. I think, because I think that's what he says. Do you want Anyways, were you... I am... I've uh, you no... twice now. Are you...
1: Yeah, there's not a lot to talk about on this because I'm still on the learning phase. Right. And I think next time... I'm not sure if I'm going to play another game of South Africa, at least at this point, because the South African economy, and nothing against uh, South Africa or my friend there, is a little behind the times. To put it yeah. mildly. uh so the three years up until really world War two's tensions start to mount, I was spending pretty much the entire time just trying to build up the economy and uh even then, I was still not doing great because the the game does some interesting things uh the different powers the major powers have the ability to research multiple things at once I think uh Four or five uh, research slots, depending on the country. Uh, And the ability to unlock more as you do different research and different uh, uh, country focuses, which are uh, uh, essentially a separate research tree. Well, South Africa starts with two, and they only have one military factory, which the military factories are what produces your tanks, your guns, uh, your aircraft, that sort of thing. And factories could only produce one type of thing at a time. And as a factory is producing things over course of a time, it gets better and better at it. So let's say I'm just going to use some nice round numbers here just for example's sake. Let's say I'm, I am have my one factory building infantry, infantry weapons guns. And it could make 10 a week which is actually a bit better than what the factory could do in my game, but eh. as it progresses and uh, does more and more, the workers get used to how to make them and become more efficient. So it may eventually get up to like 30 or 40 a week before it hits the efficiency cap. And there's research that you could do to increase that cap. So you're motivated to get the, best stuff that you can as quickly as you can and then stick with it for a while. And the time period isn't like Civ where you're in almost a constant upgrading things or, you know, trashing things and uh, changing them because there's uh, always the chance that you'll need that stockpile of old stuff for a new division because you don't have the latest stuff or you want to have a just an expeditionary force so you don't want to invest your best and uh, brightest gear you want to just outfit them with the older stuff to be able to feel a force or maybe all your planes got shot down in time to uh, roll out uh, the death trap mark one
0: death trap mark one nice
1: well I'm pretty sure that's uh, what the early airplanes were yeah so it, it's uh, you're encouraged to uh, produce for uh, quite a while the same things uh, but when you switch over, uh, there is an upgrade uh, time as the troops uh, change out their stuff. And that goes all back to essentially this central stockpile, uh, which you could uh, then either lend lease out to other powers for favor or, you know, just sit on it to be able to quickly outfit a, a backup troop. Now, there's some really interesting uh, strategy stuff behind the scenes. And I'm looking forward to getting more into it. Sweet. Look okay, at it this way: it's gotten me out of the city skylines and managing traffic. Fucking idiots.
0: <laughs> yep, most drivers are.
1: Well, these Everyone are is these at are, are exceptional. Some of the time. Uh, th- these just sit in the middle of the uh, of the uh, intersection and block traffic in four directions. Right. Probably on their fucking cell phone. <laughs> Playing Fortnite.
0: <laughs> oh God! <laughs> if only, if only I didn't have games to talk about, and we didn't have another news topic ahead of that one, or two news topics ahead of that. Yeah, one. but that's a tease. That would be an excellent segue. Yeah, that's it. A... Already, well, I played three games this week, excluding the game club game, uh, and the first one of those is Lootbox Quest. Lootbox Qu- Quest is a satirical uh clicker style game made by the same developer who made dlc quest um and it's it's got a it's it's a game that's you know it it has a a storyline that you play through and you can actually win the game it's pretty short uh it took me about two and a half hours to completely play through it and it does this nifty little thing that it pops up at the bottom and it's like hey you've been playing for about 90 minutes if you don't like this game Now's the time to request a refund if you purchased it on Steam. So that was pretty cool. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, it is a dollar.
0: It is. It's only a dollar. Uh, I actually contacted the developer and asked if he would do an interview, and he...
1: Maybe it listen do like, an episode. It's like, no.
0: Yeah, maybe so. But, so the game evolves as you play through it. You start out as just, like, a dude who's very excited t- to get the new game, MacGuffin Quest 2. Electric McGuffin And MacGuffin Quest 2 has loot boxes, whereas MacGuffin Quest 1 didn't. And the game starts out, and you have to click to work your job to buy enough money, or to get enough money to pre-order the game, which gives you, I think, like, the first loot box or something that you open, which opening the loot boxes doesn't do anything. You just have a counter for open loot boxes, and then you get garbage items, and then you can sell the trash items for, for money. Um... But So you you click to work your job to get enough money to buy the game, and then once you've worked your job enough times and you've pre order it, like the game releases. And then you get the MacGuffin Quest 2 thing that you can see in the screenshots in front of you. And then you can start playing the game. And it starts out as play, and after you fill up the bar a couple of times playing, then it's like uh, you get these little messages at the bottom of the screen. And it's like, okay, get... MacGuffin Quest 2 playing it, it's like what I can't play as MacGuffin I have to play as a sidekick whatever but it looks like I can, I can get MacGuffin from a loot box well I guess I'll just grind until I get the loot box that has MacGuffin and it in takes it. 40 hours and so you start going through and you're like man this grind is really boring I should automate it it's it's like learn coding create a bot to play MacGuffin Quest 2 for you so you do that and then that's it starts playing itself and the bar fills up on its own you get loot boxes uh, and it's like, I should get a second job so that I can make more money to spend more time developing more bots to play the game for you. And so you can get up to five bots to play the game. And as you go through, eventually it's like, okay, well, maybe I can make some extra money opening these loot boxes on YouTube. Or it's like, does it say YouTube? I can't remember if it says YouTube or if it's like a, a satire.
1: Probably YouTube. Yeah. Uh, you need something other than watching a uh, uh, Big tittied, uh ninjas
0: yeah but uh so then you start making videos for youtube or whatever and you earn some money opening loot box videos and eventually you like automate all of that stuff by making bots and it's like you you know you get satirical messages at the bottom every time you research something or sort of hit a milestone in the game like just looking at the screenshots one of the things that that i'm looking at is like you can research uh i think it's called video intros and outros and the satirical message pops up. it's like now i don't have to say what's up folks all the time (laughs) um so things like that, and then eventually the game evolves. You're like, you know, I bet I could make a game. So then you get the game studio and you make your own game, and it's one of the things you can research is loot boxes, and it's like, I swear I'm just doing this to to because games are so expensive cost so much to develop, right? It's like <laughs> my loot boxes are gonna be different. They won't be pay to win, right? Um eventually your company gets big enough. <laughs> Where they, then you start, like, having lobbyists that you send. and To Hawaii? You do something that's, like, too exploitative. It's like, the government now considers loot boxes as a type of gambling because of how exploitative your loot boxes are. Because it's, like, one of the things that you can do is, like, make the entire game a loot box. It's like, you can't even play unless you pay to open the loot boxes. And, uh... The, the game dev management thing slowly gets more and more complex until you become like a publicly traded company and then it becomes a different type of management game it's it's really silly uh i mean it's satire so you know that's what it's doing is mocking the industry and where it goes but there's some like serious points in there too i forget exactly what one of the loot box things it is i think it's pay money to remove ads from a game that you've already played. And the message <laughs> that pops up at the bottom is like, you know, this one's probably going to happen. You know that, guys, right? Sad face. And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it did at this point. So, you know, it it makes its point, uh, sometimes a little bit on the nose, and then the satire also makes the point. And, and then uh, you eventually, eventually, you monetize the entire population of the Earth and, like, destroy the entire planet as we know it and then you find the source code for mcguffin quest and you change whatever it is in the game that uh that lets you play as mcguffin it turns out you couldn't actually ever get mcguffin from the i, 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 at I, all. I,
1: I was kind of seeing that one comment it's like you could never get him could you
0: <laughs> yeah it's like you could never get him but he like is he exists in the game so it's like oh, i'm gonna use my knowledge of coding to make him playable so then everything goes away and you just hit play MacGuffin quest. And so you play through, fill up the bar a few times, and every time you get a message you're like, oh this is okay, I guess. Kinda boring really. <coughs> it's the game's just really not the same whenever you you know, whenever you play it the way I'd like to, because there's so many loot boxes in it. I guess I should play another game. <laughs> oh wait, the entire industry collapsed because I ruined it with loot boxes. I guess I should go outside. And then you hit go outside, and the game ends and it closes. I was like, "What a beautiful little metaphor for the the gaming industry." But yeah, it was it was. What, are you hilarious. saying they should go outside? <clears throat> no, not that part. Just the part about the industry collapsing. Oh. Beautiful metaphor. Um, I, I sort of like I just basically doled out the entire like story progression, but yeah, maybe all we should have run messages, spoilers or something. All of these little messages are really funny and each have a little point to make. Maybe not all of them, but most of them. And, I mean, I can't remember most of those. There's dozens because there's one for every single upgrade that you, you know, purchase or research or whatever based on what point you are in the game. And then there... (coughs) Oh, excuse me. That's not called Mommy. There are um, other ones that pop up. As you do things. You know, the first couple of times you play through MacGuffin Quest, for example. And he's like, wait, MacGuffin's in a loot box? I have to get him from a loot box? So, that's that's where most of the game's fun is. Is the, the satirical mess. So, it's still... I mean, it's 99 cents. I would say just, like, buy this to support the dev. Because it's good satire. And, honestly, a decent little clicker game. Because I like clicker games that don't go on forever. So... And, uh,
1: and also ones are about potatoes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one.
1: So did go play that, actually. That's on the list of you know, games that are in my backlog.
0: Yeah. But Loot Box Quest is a fun little satirical clicker game that makes fun of the industry and obviously loot boxes. So definitely a recommend for me. I don't know if it would ever go cheaper. Actually, it has been cheaper. It just looks like it was $0.75 cents a- Couple of months ago. Oh, no, the so quarter. It'll probably be, you know, 50 cents or something at some point. I think this game is totally worth it. Yeah, and but will it be in a loot box? Dollar. I don't know. Actually, uh, Do- isn't it on GOG? I don't know. Because,
1: is it? Uh, the reason why I'm asking is GOG has a loot box uh, sale going on right now.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Where there. A- where they're selling, uh, well, St. Patrick's Day hats, and you get a random game. Okay, that's why I was asking,
0: because that would be hilarious. It it would be. <laughs> uh, on as a sort of side note, DLC quest is really fun too, and yeah, it does the same sort of thing. Yeah, it's very but it's making fun of DLC. Uh, DLC quest is from like five or six years ago, so I I feel like um, the dev has definitely. Grown, uh, in in game design, I I think the satire is is funnier than in DLC Quest, but I mean they're doing the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah, like DLC Quest, like one of the first things that you the one of the first DLCs you purchase is the ability to move left, and it's a side scrolling platformer. Well, why would you need to go backwards in order to to get things that are behind you? Ah forward on like on. On the first screen, I think there's a chest you can't get that's, like, right behind you. But you can't walk left, so you can't just turn around and pick up the treasure chest. You have to go until you get the DLC to to turn left, and then you can go back and get it. But, yeah, Loot Quest, good. You should buy it. It's only a dollar. Totally worth it. The next game on my list is Holy Potatoes, We're in Space! Which is the sort of sequel... To Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop.
1: Yeah, another sort sort of of clicker game.
0: Yeah, I say sort of sequel because the only real similarities it has to Holy Potatoes, a weapon shop, at least in the first couple of hours of play, are your people are potato people. You know, like
1: you do. Uh,
0: They're vastly different games in every other respect so far. Yeah, it's almost Um, uh,
1: uh, faster than light.
0: Yeah, it's very FTL actually. Uh, Holy potatoes! A weapon shop is a management crafting game where that you like inherit this weapon shop and you have to recruit people to craft weapons for you, a la like um, some of the really simple arcade management games like Game Dev Tycoon or something like that except you know you put together weapons. and then there's sort of some other game mechanics that come on top of it where that you have to like equip uh, adventurers to go on quests and like bring you back special materials. and there's this underlying story about your grandfather and some stuff that happened and you sort of unravel a mystery. So it, holy weapon or holy potatoes a weapon shop is you know very, very crafting focused, management light and you're sort of uncovering a story by getting adventurers to go out and do things for you. Holy Potatoes, We're in Space is much more FTL-like in the sen- uh, when it comes to the combat, uh, although it's more turn-based. FTL was real-time that you could pause. Holy Potatoes, We're in Space is turn-based, but it still uses a uh, similar weapon system and a similar energy system, um, and then assigning crew to various weapons can give them boosts. Um, it's it's fun. It's silly. It's got some weird performance issues that I don't understand. Uh, Like, it... During the combat system, it gets really slow-down, like, frame-hitchy. Uh, like, like it's trying
1: to do too much?
0: Like it, Yeah, like it's trying to do too much, or they use the same engine, and it just wasn't built with this in mind. It It's locked at 60, which, you know... I'm fine, honestly. This is a game that would be fine locked at thirty. There's so little movement, and everything's turn-based, and now it's but, all cartoony and stuff. Yeah, but you
1: need your high frame rate potatoes.
0: I do, I do need my high frame rate potatoes. But um, the game hitches really badly during the combat, uh, every, especially uh, the higher level combat. So like, it drops you into the tutorial, and you've got like end game. Power type stuff. At least that's what it feels like. There may be stronger things, but things that are like 20 times more powerful than what you start with once you get dropped into the campaign proper. Uh, um, abilities. Yeah. But there's like big explosions and things going on, and it's like crawling. Frame. 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 Oh, everything's happening at once now. Oh, oh, frame. Frame. Whenever you do actions, um, it's. And it still hitches even at the with the, like the really low level equipment that doesn't have very much like on screen flair. It it every single action causes there to be just a slight pause, and then it carries on. And that pause was there in, with the early game stuff, but then it would like freak out when there were so many things going on on screen. So it has to be something either with the engine or like really poor optimization, or it just doesn't I mean, like your game, computer. That could be the case. I should try this on my laptop and see if it does the same sort of thing. Because um, my laptop is much, much less powerful, but also a completely different environment. So, it could be something to do with my... Um, yeah, I'm just
1: looking through the screenshots at all the different... Uh, at, at the different references. It looks like the one of the most uh, popular ones is Saitama from One Punch Man.
0: Where is that one in the screenshot? Screenshots?
1: Oh, well, I was looking in the Community Hub.
0: Oh, okay. I haven't gotten that far. I've only played it for about two-ish hours, I think. Um, I want to play it some more, but I really can't stand that frame rate hitching. Other other things, though, where it's like FTL, you're being chased by someone or something that I'm not quite sure who they are yet. I think it's like the big bad from the opening, but it also could be someone else. And there's a like a turn timer, and certain actions you perform while on your ship that aren't combat-based take up time. Um, so, or take up turns. So, like, the, the counter is always counting down whenever you perform those actions with the ship getting closer. So far, I haven't had an issue with them, like, trying, like, catching up to me, but it's just, like, always there. You, there's, like, an easy mode that turns that off, but it says, oh, <laughs> that's great. He's one pun, Side man. Side That's nice. Yeah, uh, um... Weapon Shop had stuff like that, too. I don't remember a Asaitama from Weapon Shop, although I think Weapon Shop came out before One Punch Man was a thing. Well, at uh, least in anime. The, yeah, the anime. But, uh... Well, it
1: was just, that's the one that's all over the uh, highest uh, uh, rated ones, or the most popular ones, I should say.
0: Yeah. But, Holy holy Potatoes Wearing Space is is fun, and it's silly, and it's cute, and it's colorful, and it's funny... But honestly, I think the first one's better. And it's not even just the performance issues um, that may or may not just be my computer. There, It just feels like there's a lot less heart in it, or there's a lot less something. It just doesn't feel like the first one does. It's not as joyous as the first one. Which, that is extremely subjective, and that might, might be the most, like... I don't know, pie-in-the-sky comment I've ever made about a game. But when I played, like, I was so excited when I got this game, and I played it, and it didn't make me as happy inside as the first one.
1: I'm sorry, I'm just going through the screenshots.
0: Tarth-Tater. They had they had a Darth Vader reference in the first one, too. We really should get, get around literally... to,
1: the, uh, to the other one. Because I, yeah, like... I think I'll enjoy it more... Uh, FTL kind of uh, wore on me for a bit uh, after a bit because of the combat system where it was a lot more luck based than I really like my roguelites to be. Yeah. I really prefer my roguelites to, if I'm good enough, even if I have an extremely bad roll of the dice, I could at least make some sort of progress. FTL, it was all based on the roll of the dice, and if you didn't get at least decent weapons, Unless you were in a very particular ship that was uh, a non combat focused ship like the Stealth ones, uh, you would be kind of screwed.
0: Yeah. Okay, here's an. Okay, they have another one. Uh, did this one just release? Holy Potatoes, what the hell? And this one is cooking? Yeah, I,
1: th- I thought I heard about them working on another one, but I didn't know it was coming out yet.
0: Yeah, Holy Potatoes, what the hell is a wacky health theme cooking management sim?
1: Yeah, I've heard about this, I just didn't know it was coming
0: out yet. See, this one seems like it was much more in line with what the first one was. Well, it's also more management-based. Maybe yeah. it's just the fact that we're, uh,
1: well, we've seen FTL, for lack of a better term, ripped off or uh, you know, inspiring other games so much that it's not as special as it once was.
0: Maybe. I don't know. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I didn't enjoy Holy Potatoes We're in Space as much as I probably should, just based on how much I love sci-fi games and I love silly things and colorful things. And Holy Potatoes We're in Space hits all of those, but it just doesn't make me feel as happy. It just made me want to go, or it just made me want to play Holy Potatoes A Weapon Shop. Okay, I wanted
1: uh, well, I I your opinion, since you know my game tastes uh, fairly well, if I picked up Holy Potatoes, uh, a weapon shop, would I absolutely hate it? Because you know how picky I can be about my management games.
0: Um, that's a tough call. It's very management light. It's very much just get people with the right colors and put them at the right colored station.
1: Because I really disliked uh, Game Dev Tycoon because it did pretty much that. Yeah, if But, I don't but know this if the also rest is a, game, but this is also a lot more humor based.
0: Yeah, I don't know if the rest of the game could make up for your dislike of the management system, because you wouldn't like it. If you didn't like Game Def Tycoon, you won't like this because this is pretty heavily based on that. Match the right color to the right thing at the right station and get your timings and everything just right so you get the most bonus points to get the best thing possible.
1: Honestly, it sounds more like a bubble game than anything else.
0: <laughs> but but what really props up the game is a combination of its humor and that sort of underlying story that unwraps itself as you go along. So, it's a toss-up. I don't think that you would love it. Uh, I think that you would need to get it pretty cheap, like for a buck or two before well, you'd well, like it low? enough. It's pretty cheap. Well, I, was, I think I, it's I, only like five or six bucks right While well, I was looking now. at it, it was uh, the...
1: Uh it's five seventy seven, that's why I was looking at it and thinking, huh. And, and they're doing that thing where you have to buy the DLC pack with it. Yeah. Because the
0: base game isn't discounted at all. Yeah. I, I think I think you'd need to get it for sub five dollars in order to appreciate it and like it, just because you would you would thoroughly dislike the management system. So I mean it's yeah, it's fifteen bucks to just buy the game. Yeah, I mean it would be with the DLC
1: bundle because uh, the, it has the base game in it for five seventy seven. That's what I was looking yeah. at.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I haven't played the DLC. I don't actually have the DLC. So for five seventy seven, I don't know. That's pretty close. I mean, I'm yeah. saying you know, sub five dollars, and this is just over five dollars. Yeah, we have the summer know, sale coming six.
1: up before terribly long now.
0: Yeah, it's A few it's been much away. cheaper. Uh, I mean, Holy Potatoes has been down to it looks like 3.74 before. And that's I'm pretty sure you'd like it for that for that amount, so probably just wait till the sale.
1: Yeah. Until then we'll just hash it out.
0: So Space Dark Souls. Me, yeah, that brings me to the final game on my list, The Surge. And The Surge is if someone said, "What if Dark Souls but sci-fi if you listen closely i think you can hear
1: kyle's eye twitch
0: yeah kyle said he was gonna send in a letter this week but he didn't so he doesn't get a chance to defend himself live on on air so to speak although kyle and i did have like a 10 or so minute conversation about this over the weekend uh and i'll talk about some of those nuances in in a bit um And a lot of that's going to be coming from Kyle's perspective, because I've played Dark Souls for a collective total of about six hours over the last six years, with most of that being in the last week or two weeks. So, uh, yeah, I don't exactly have the deepest Dark Souls understanding to pit this against. But based on my limited experience and my overall knowledge of Dark Souls and Bloodborne to some extent... Um, just from sort of the popular gaming culture, uh, this is yeah. What if Dark Souls, but sci-fi? Uh, the Surge is a sci-fi future dystopia world where that the uh, the Chinese hoax is killing us all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one basically, there's one company that. Survives or buys up all the other companies. I'm not 100 percent sure. The story sort of reveals itself as it goes. You get an opening cutscene that basically sets up the world, and it does this really wonderful thing where you discover your character. Like the the cutscene plays, and it's basically like a Creo Creo is the name of the company. It's a recruitment message, and it's like we're offering you employment. Do you accept? And like you see your character's hand hesitate, and then he hits the accept key. And then the camera's behind you, and you can't fully see your character, only his head. And it doesn't allow you to move the camera until you get off of this train. Mm-hmm. And you realize that your character is uh, in a wheelchair. He can't walk. Uh, he's paraplegic. Uh, and one of the things that, that this company does is it's developed powered exosuits, and they would allow him to walk again. And so that's sort of the setup for why he ultimately, I think, like pushes him over the edge to accept the job offer from this company is because he wants to be able to walk again and for the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game you're wheeling around in your wheelchairs you go through the facility and you have to take this ass backwards way through it uh, because you're you're in a wheelchair so you have to use the accessible ramps and things like that. it's a really interesting way to introduce the game and I you know give it some applause because that's a pretty bold step I mean that's the first 10, or 15 minutes of your game. Hey, I thought you said really this was
1: accessible. Uh, wheelchair accessible. Step.
0: hi Um But, uh, yeah, it's a really bold way to introduce the game. Because they're trying to hook you, not with, like, gameplay mechanics or anything like that. But hook you into this character and make you really sympathize with him. And why you'd understand why he would join this company. Which is pretty controversial. Even in the first... 15 or 20 minutes of the game, like, you see some pretty big backlash against this company, like, um, people are calling them evil, and there's terrorist organizations that are trying to take this company down, because it's basically taken over the world, all the world's governments and everything, and there are people that believe that they're not actually trying to fix the environment or anything like that, but they're actually doing something nefarious, which seems to be true i think i have in the six or so hours that i've played this game i think i have an idea of where the story is going to go um but that was just a really interesting thematic hook into the world and into your character who spends a good portion of the game completely silent aside from the grunts and screams whenever you fight and subsequently get killed uh there is some dialogue between your character and other characters but it's very sparse um, I was
1: about to say, does he go for Gordon Freeman and just sits there?
0: No, it's not that much, but you know, you'll walk up to someone and they'll be like, "Hey, you over here? You're a normal person. You're not one of these crazy cyborgs." And uh, about that, and you're like, and you walk up and you're like, "Hey," and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad I found you." Blah 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 blah, and you're like, "Okay, it's that way." <laughs> He's my. There's one character that he has more in-depth dialogue interactions with. It's someone, like the first person you meet, or well, meet, you, you get in touch with him over the comms, and he's got a, a bit more in-depth conversation with her, but it's still fairly sparse. It's like short sentences, not just like grunts and one-word answers, but um, so yeah, you're in this... Facility, and obviously something goes wrong, and all of the robots start attacking people, and lots of people in their, um, their exoskeletons die. And Oh, and also this thing is jacked into your brain. Uh, that's like you it, do. Like, like you do, with all cyborg suits, you jack them into your brain. And so these people die, and then the cyborg suits take over their body, heavily implying that there's some kind of artificial intelligence that has gotten loose or malfunctioned or... Maybe it's actually doing it on purpose. Well, this. quick, stuff, uh, don't
1: network your suit.
0: Yeah. Well, you, like, the whole thing goes down as you're getting your suit installed. So you, um, like, the, the process malfunctions and you get your suit installed, but your neuro, neural link isn't properly installed or something like that. So you wind up passing out and then you wake up as a, like, a recycling bot is dragging you to a junk heap. <laughs> like you do. As you do, yeah. Um, and then you wake up and you pick up a, like a giant piece of rebar and wield that as a weapon. They do another thing with the walking too, because it's like you kick the drone uh, and destroy the first one and you stand up and you look at your legs and you're like, holy shit, I can walk again. And then a drone starts attacking you and you pick up a weapon and you start fighting. So I'm curious to see how that continues to play further into the story. It's been mentioned a couple of times later, uh, as I've been playing. But it's fallen much more into the background. The fact that you did this just so you could walk, but uh, the gameplay itself is feels much more, or feels like a combination of what I know about Bloodborne and Dark Souls. Uh, Whereas in Bloodborne, they really focus on dodging as opposed to blocking. The blocking system in Bloodborne is basically a parry, which will block all damage from you, and then you can counterattack. You can block, but it only blocks a portion of the damage but they really heavily encourage you to dodge and kind of jump in and out and attack that way. And now I'm having whereas,
1: uh, Dragon Ball Bridge uh, uh, flashbacks.
0: Dodge! Whereas Dark Souls, you can play both as a, a dodgy character and as a tanky blocky character. And the surge gives you limited ability to block. Uh, heavy weapons can block for more damage than light weapons. So if you go for a big bulky build, you have more ability to block. But anything really from like uh, medium weapons on down, you should really be dodging or parrying. Um, the game is very stingy with the health that it gives you and the stamina points that it gives you. Um, as far as I can tell, you can't increase your stamina points. I'm level, I'm almost level thirty, um, and my stamina has not increased a single point since I started the game. So it's either completely gear dependent or um, you just have to increase your skills with weapons to give you effectively more stamina because your weapon swings and your combos would take less stamina to use. And if you run out of stamina, you're fucked. You just have to run away and let your stamina recharge for a minute. Uh, Because if, if you don't have any stamina, you can't attack at all. And if you're at low stamina, you attack very slowly. So you can... I mean, you can see where that's happening. Your character starts to appear and behave and feel much more sluggish. So even if you're not staring at the stamina bar, you can see it happen. There's really good on... Uh, On-screen in world uh, telegraphing of that. Yeah, there's really good in-world telegraphing of that. Uh, and there's good telegraphing of if you're hurt, too. Um, the game does a good job of showing you when you're stumbling around, bleeding. And it does the same for your enemies, Uh, You definitely want to target lock enemies. You can't perform finishing moves if you don't target lock. And that's how you get all of your equipment. You perform... (coughs) Excuse me. You perform finishing moves and cut off whatever body part it is that you've targeted. Like you do. And then you get the gear of whatever they were using. So if you cut off a weapon arm, you get the weapon. If you cut off uh, an arm that doesn't have a weapon, you get whatever armor piece was on that. Same for the chest and the head and the legs. So that's how you get all of your armor parts. And if you've already got the armor part that drops, um, then you just automatically turn that into crafting components to upgrade your weapons and gear or build new ones based on schematics that you can find in the world outside of just getting uh, the armor. Um, Also, there's uh, one of the ways that you can regenerate health is if you take an upgrade... uh, I think it's a CPU upgrade for your suit. Uh, you can regenerate health from finishing moves. This game's also super stingy with its health repl- uh it's like health packs or whatever. Uh, there's a heal over time, an instant heal, and then you can heal with the uh the finishing move. And so far that's all I found. And you only get three of each uh the heal over time and the instant heal. Uh the finishing move heal, you have an infinite amount, like, of use from it, but you have to perform finishing moves on enemies, so you're constantly in combat, which combat is fucking difficult, and at times, very unfair feeling. Uh, from my experience with Dark Souls, every time I died, I it was definitely my fault. I missed something, or I uh, didn't take my time to figure out what I was doing, or something like that, you know, I, I mentioned that when I talked about Dark Souls last week, Yeah, last week. The Surge, occasionally enemies will just perform an attack from out of nowhere that doesn't make sense. Like this attack isn't telegraphed in any way that I've been able to notice. Um, And sometimes it's in the middle of when they're being hit. Uh, Typically there's like a stagger mechanic whenever you or the enemy gets hit, especially with a a heavy vertical strike Um, or with heavier weapons in general. they'll, They'll stagger or you will get staggered and then you can't perform an action. But sometimes, in the middle of being staggered, enemies will just be able to hit you with a quick attack, which can throw you off balance or kill you if you're low health and trying to get that finishing move, which will send you back to the medical center. Just a second. I hit the, the mute on that one. I felt right. that one coming. Um, But you'll get you'll get sent back to the medical center, which is this game's equivalent of the bonfire, and you'll have to go get this game's tech something, which is the equivalent of Souls from Dark Souls, your currency to spend on upgrades. But unlike Dark Souls, this game has a timer on that mechanic. It's two and a half minutes. You have two and a half minutes, to get back to wherever you died and recover all of your stuff. And most of the time, I'm just like, fuck it. Because I go very slowly and very methodically because this game also likes to produce jump scare enemies from places that sometimes don't make sense. Or sometimes they'll spawn behind you. Uh, and they always do it at the exact same place, so once you've been there once, you know what's coming. But if you're not going really slowly and carefully, you'll more than likely just get killed. And then you'll have to try and run back to that spot and recover your stuff. So, I just leave it. I get most of my level up currency through getting the items, which you can like deconstruct to give you experience points and items don't get dropped so it's only your equivalent of experience that gets dropped. Um and so that's really frustrating too. I really usually can only play the surge for 1 hour an hour and a half at a time. I like the like I get it. I used to not get Dark Souls players, but I get it like that frustration and like why can you be so angry at a game and so frustrated and still have fun? But I get it. I like that with the surge. Um But I I have to put it down every 90 minutes or so. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a
1: bit torn on if I would like this or not.
0: Yeah. Um, It also does the Dark Souls thing, where that whenever you go back to the medical center, uh, slash bonfire, all the enemies respawn. So they, they don't respawn while you're out. So you can explore freely if you've killed everything in an area and look for secrets, which there's tons of secrets. And lots of the game's story is telegraphed to you through hidden things that you can find messages on the wall or staged scenes where you are left to sort of interpret what happened. Um, there's a big hint for the first boss battle that is, uh, just written on a wall on an out of the way path that you don't actually have to go to. And let me guess, you, you found it afterwards. To. No, no, I found it beforehand. The boss was still fucking difficult to beat. um, But I knew what to do going into the boss fight. It was just being able to do it. Because the health system is, you know, your health is very low. And the boss had untelegraphed attacks, which uh, happened at random. Most of the bosses, at least the first boss, most of his attacks did have a pattern. And I learned the pattern, and eventually I was just able to beat him by being able to be good enough at the pattern to not get killed whenever the off-pattern attacks happened. Uh, You know, I could soak the damage and I had enough health packs to do so. Because I couldn't perform a finishing move on the boss to get health back that way. But yeah, eventually that's how I beat the boss. But even knowing, like, the secret was... made it really difficult. And it turns out there's, like, a new game plus. um, And there are better items you can get from all of the bosses if you beat them in one specific way. And the way to get it from the first boss... So the first boss, the thing that you use against him is at the... He's got, like, a, a bar that fills up, I don't know, think it was like a rage meter or something. And whenever it fills up, he launches missiles at you. And if you sprint over and like dash between his legs, the missile will hit him and knock him down. And then you can directly attack his power core. The way to, to like get the true boss ending or whatever is to not do that. And basically hack away at him until eventually you cut his legs off and then destroy the power core. And the legs have got ridiculous amounts of health, apparently. Like, I looked this up after the fact. And it takes something like 20 or 25 minutes to defeat the boss that way. Versus, like, the five it took me to do. So you basically have to play perfectly for 25 minutes to kill this boss.
1: Yeah, but is it worth it? Uh,
0: I don't know. I didn't look up what the, the stats were on the weapon that you get from him afterwards. So I'm not, I'm not sure. And also, this game very clearly has areas that you should come back to when you're at a high le- higher level. Um, it's got like this override mechanic where they, your suit has to be a, a certain level before you can open specific doors. Yeah, like does, you like, do. a little thing. And there's stuff in the first level or in the first area that requires you to be like level 55. So you definitely have to come back. As for that stuff I was talking about when I talked to Kyle about it, a lot of the, Kyle, the points that Kyle made, because I think his tweet was something like, the Surge is not dark sci-fi dark souls in like all caps or something like that uh and the, a lot of the points that he were making were well the surge borrows or some of the points he made to me where the surge borrows from um bloodborne in the way that a lot of its combat works as opposed to dark souls with you know the focus being more on dodging and things like that as opposed to just directly blocking uh, the Surge has no multiplayer component at all. It's strictly single player, which I prefer, but um, Kyle likes the multiplayer that exists in Dark Souls. Oh, he likes taking people and over. Stuff. Um, and then he said, the ga- he felt like the game didn't convey its mechanics to you properly, and it took him a lot longer than he felt like it should to learn about like cutting the arm's an armor off of enemies to equip them. But I felt like it conveyed that to you really quickly and effectively. And we were going to talk about it some more if we had the chance that we didn't get to, but my thought was maybe he's just used to dark souls and this is different. And so he didn't pick up on it because he's got dark souls ingrained in his brain. Whereas I'm basically a fresh player. So I picked up on that stuff much easier. Uh, He also didn't like what I said about the, Enemies sort of jump-scaring, popping up on you. Some of them basically being instant kills, unless you're just amazing, until you come back and know what's going to happen so you can prepare for it. We agreed on that one. Uh, Kyle's biggest issue, I think, with the game, though, is that the Surge is 100% melee combat, whereas whereas Dark Souls has ranged options. And the, the Spellcaster... And there's like bombs you can throw, and you also have uh you can get bow and arrow. The surge's only ranged option is an ability that you pick up in the second area, which gives you like a little drone that you can when you get enough charge on your suit and doing combo attacks and stuff, which is how you can do the finishing moves, instead of doing a finishing move, you can have the drone come out and provide range support for a little while. Um, and that's the only ranged option for the surge. Which I kind of like that, I, having played the Dark Souls, like knowing the Dark Souls, having played Dark Souls, knowing when to go ranged versus not in normal combat as a new player uh, or an inexperienced player can be difficult to tell. Uh, there were plenty of times when I was using like a fireball spell or something and I probably shouldn't have, it was too close to me and I was like hurting myself or whatever. Uh, so only focusing on the melee combat system and in my opinion doing it fairly well uh, i think it's a smart move for the surge. If there's a second one, maybe add ranged options because there are a couple of ranged enemy or well enemies that have ranged attacks that will, you know, fire on you as you close the distance on them and then they swap to melee combat. So having a similar ranged option might be as far as where it stands for me now. I think it was a positive thing to focus only on melee. So overall i like it. It's incredibly frustrating and makes me mad at times but that's the type of game that this is and having one that's sci-fi because my thing is sci-fi um gives me something enjoyable or you know like a a more enjoyable world than dark souls and i can get behind the mechanics and i can get behind the the idea of the game when the theme is more enjoyable to me so I i really like the surge um You know, this type of game is is not for everyone, and if you, it it sounds like after a short discussion with Kyle, if you really, really, really like Dark Souls, you might not like The Surge for the points of, you know, comparison where it is different, but uh, if you're someone who just sort of likes this style of game, or maybe likes the Dark, or the Dark Souls, I did it again, likes Dark Souls, but doesn't really like the world. Well, maybe it's uh,
1: like, uh, you know, the Africa, or the Iraq, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, but but you know the surge might be something worth trying. I picked it up on sale two weeks ago for like fifteen or sixteen dollars. It's it's back up to its full retail release, which is forty bucks for the standard and fifty bucks for the complete edition, which includes all of the DLC. Um, you know I I don't know if I would have liked it as much if I'd paid forty dollars for it. But at its you know at the at the fifteen sixteen dollar price point, I definitely feel like I got good value for my money, that again is something that's more subjective, but I think this game is worth to to someone who wants to try it out, I would say it's worth like 20 bucks Uh, and then to someone who knows that they like this style of game it probably would be worth the full price to you so, yeah, that's the surge what if Dark Souls but sci-fi I really liked it
1: yeah, I'm not not sure about it Uh, I think I'm just gonna wait on it
0: yeah, that's fair that is fair indeed. Alrighty, Well, it is time for us to move on then to our first bathroom break of the night <laughs> and the news when we come back. Moving on to our first news topic of the evening. Trump's ESA roundtable meeting that also included the ESRB and Wait, among, it included
1: the SRB? Yeah, uh,
0: the, the SRB. The, the ESRB.
1: Oh, no, no. Or did you not catch what they did?
0: No? What did okay, I miss? Okay, the
1: ESRB, uh, you know, let me make sure I get her name correctly, but they essentially, uh, called uh, the ESRB uh uh, a representative, a
0: man. Oh, the thing with, what's her what's her name?
1: Uh, it was Patricia, Pat. uh, but she goes by Pat, and they assume male, and just... <laughs> oh. Uh, it was... Uh, uh, there's at least have to take some humor out of this, because, well, I honestly don't expect a lot to come out of this. This is more just a smokescreen. That the NRA kicked up, really. That's my opinion of it. Because, well, we've seen Trump go very deep. Well, okay, deep is probably not the right term for Trump. Um, focused, focused. He'll get very focused on a very particular issue for a while. And then something happens. He gets a lobbyist or something. And then he just wanders off and nothing ever happens of it again. Like uh, the opiate epidemic. He called it a national emergency.
0: Yeah, and we haven't heard anything about that. In a year. Yeah, a while. Um, so, and the same thing does seem to have happened with the NRA and gun control measures. Because he was – like he said something to the effect of uh, you, take know, you all guys the gu- are all afraid <laughs> of the NRA. And he wanted to take everyone's guns it, and go through due process later. Yeah,
1: which is uh, – uh, absolute bullshit.
0: Yeah, but now it's like gun. What, what? gun control? What? <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen a lot of people saying that this is him like giving in to the NRA and being cowed down by them or whatever. But yeah, I don't. I think that it's more just like he's wandered off to his next thing because he has the attention span of a five year old. I, I think I, I think
1: you're uh, you know giving him too much credit for five year old. I, I think your son has more of a of a of an attention span.
0: Yeah, he'd probably do a better job running the government too. My kid's hit that stage where that he realizes that things are fair and unfair, and something will happen. And so he's like, shoots hey, Daddy, and la- that's so shoots
1: and letters are is no longer fun.
0: Yeah, but he'll be like, "Daddy, that's unfair." It's like, ooh, <laughs> like. There's that it, moment where, like, in my brain, I want to go, yeah, well, the world's not fair, kid. But I'm a better parent than my parents were, so I don't do that. And I'm just like, I know, son. Sometimes life can be hard. We can talk about it. But yeah, he he understands fair and not fair. He wants things to be fair. So just on that on that basis, I think my kid would be a better. <laughs> could run the government Well, better.
1: Wait, wait, wait. How much does he like cheeseburgers?
0: Not very much.
1: Oh, uh, then he wouldn't work.
0: My kid likes hamburgers, and he likes cheese, but never the two shall meet. Otherwise, it's instant, I don't want this, it's terrible. Kids are weird. Kids are incredibly weird. And dumb. Kids are really dumb. My kid can be really dumb. I'm not going to turn this into a podcast about my kid, but he can be really dumb. Anyways. Speaking of dumb things, (laughs) uh,
1: let's start off with what he started off with. The montage. He kicked off this roundtable. Granted, it wasn't open to the press, so we only really have a few statements to go by on what was actually contained in this press conference or uh, in this, uh, I shouldn't say press conference because Trump definitely wouldn't be there. Uh, this uh, roundtable discussion that is all smoke and mirrors. He kicked it off with a montage of, well, he tried to find the most uh, brutal things, but uh, most of these were knife attacks, weren't
0: they? Yeah, he, he wanted to yeah, talk about either... how the,
1: uh, video games calls its mass shootings, and a lot of this wasn't uh, gunplay.
0: Yeah, it was knife and blunt force uh weapons that was doing yeah well, uh, were doing most of the damage. Yeah, and also
1: most of the games were pretty old by this point. I- I'm honestly surprised they didn't try out Manhunt.
0: Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, for the time, Manhunt was pretty grotesque. Nowadays, it's not, but...
1: I mean, it still gets a little intense, but the graphics are almost cartoonish now. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what is on the list. I, I know it was mostly Call of Duty, actually. Which is Yeah, there were
0: several Call a- of which Duty Which is also ones. a
1: little uh, ironic, because that is more in a military aspect, you know?
0: yeah interesting because Call of Duty tends to glorify the US military. Uh, there's there are certain bits like in I, I believe it's Modern Warfare 2 where the like the general winds up being the, the bad guy. Dude spoilers. But in general Call of Call of Duty tends to glorify the US military. So you think that that they wouldn't want to want to show that. I don't, uh, but, I don't so but, very but, quickly watching the montage. I don't recognize this game.
1: At uh, um, what point?
0: That's the there's the few clips from the various Call of Duties. And uh, what's the, the timestamp I have it up? Uh, timestamp starts at roughly 20 seconds.
1: Uh, 20 seconds. Uh, probably Evil Within, because okay. uh, uh, they covered that quite a bit. But once again, that's throwing <laughs> knives or axes or something. Yeah,
0: axes. And then the 30 second mark. That's when the guy puts him on the, the meat hook. And also, love that some of these have
1: uh, YouTuber water stamps
0: or watermarks. Yeah. <laughs> then they show no Russian from. Uh, uh, on, on Unironically. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they realize that, what that is shooting up a, a Russian airport. <laughs> Gotta make Putin mad. There's some stuff from Wolfenstein, which is killing Nazis. I think we can all say that that's allowed. And then there's some stuff from Fallout killing. Yeah, Goos. yeah, the
1: Fallout one is just hilarious because he shoots him what three, four times. Yeah, and and then he finally gets the kill shot, which yeah, and that's so fucking cartoonish. How can anyone above the age of six, you know, see that as anything realistic? Which is, you know, this is where we're coming back around to Fallout, where Fallout is a parody almost. Especially in gunplay.
0: Yeah, I mean there is there is some gore, and you can in Fallout make game make the game extra gory with the bloody mess perk, mm-hmm. but you know Fallout again is a game but it's so that is rated top. and th- mature, and which is a- seventeen and older yeah. in the states.
1: Yeah, and that's really where we should probably focus on this is that they're talking about mature rated games in. These are not marketed towards kids, or at least in theory, because you do get some marketing where they focus on the teenagers. But once again, that is the market where they already know better. And wasn't there a study that came out recently that was talking about uh, mass shooters not being interested in video games at all?
0: Yeah, it was an aggregate study that looked at uh, mass shooters for... I think since Columbine, it might have gone a little bit before that. But, uh, but eight, it was 80% didn't really care for video games.
1: Yeah, and the one case is it even a school shooter. It, wasn't it someone in uh, Scandavate where they uh, talked about uh, they learned how to handle a holographic site from Call of Duty?
0: I don't remember that bit. Uh,
1: uh, I'm blanking on uh, the name, thankfully, because... Honestly, we shouldn't be glorifying the shooters, and the, no, and, the that, and the fact that the fact that we have this twenty four news uh, twenty four hour news cycle where we show the picture, we talk about them constantly, we go into the background, talk about what they do. Uh, focus on the people that are actually affected.
0: Did you watch the quisition for this week? Yes. Yeah. So there's that part towards the middle to end of the video where he starts showing. Uh, news clips, mm-hmm. and then they come on. And they're yeah, like, were look, they're... we were going to do this montage and like make fun of it, but there are some a lot of really disturbing imagery shown on the news. And once we got to the guy on fire, we just stopped and we're like, we can't do any of the rest of the stuff. Um, yeah, they talk I'm about. Yeah, they but... talk
1: about uh, how video games desensitize people uh, to violence because you're in control. But then you look at the news and just how graphic it was. Uh, probably the biggest example I could think of off the top of my head is uh, the Boston Marathon uh, bombing. I mean, that was yeah, fucking... Yeah, gra- that,
0: uh, that was uh, over and over and over. And it was graphic. And you could see, like, body parts and shit being blown off because, you know, it's a bomb, but I'm like, Jesus, or if you what, even why go, are they showing this on the news? Or if you, you want to go back, uh, let's say
1: 17 years? How about uh, when uh, 9-11 happened and they showed there's clips over and over and over again, scaring people.
0: Yeah, people jumping out of windows and being on fire and all kinds of horrible things that maybe like in the immediate coverage when it, everything is happening, like some of that stuff yeah. shows up. But, but this was weeks not, and months. Yeah, mm-hmm. sometimes even years and uh, several of the documentaries I've seen that we were we made like we had to watch them in school. Uh, I remember being in in high school, Um, maybe it was late, let's see, 2001, middle school or high school, where they were showing us like a documentary for a certain, like, five year after, and that stuff was shown, and, you know, we're sitting in a classroom, pretty sure it was middle school, because I was in elementary school, so, like, fourth or fifth grade, so. Fuck you, make me feel old. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Um, Get off
1: my fucking lawn.
0: So, yeah, it would have been, like, late middle school, early high school. And we're watching this, and they show that footage several times in the documentary. And, like, we're in school. Like, we all sat down as a school in the auditorium and watched this video. And that's way worse, in my opinion, than graphic video game violence. But, yeah, we're horribly derailed. Uh, natural. And maybe we're not. Uh, I don't not, know. It's not, in the not same really, same
1: because it does tie into the uh, major argument that... The well, the groups that we had here was uh, it was Take Two Interactive. It was uh, I've, I've been trying to find the master list of everyone that showed up. Uh, the, we had the ESRB. Uh, okay, uh, here it is. So we had uh, Marco Rubio uh, for, as a uh, as a senator because you know he hasn't been a fucking embarrassment lately. Uh, yeah, uh, Vicky Howitzer from uh, Missouri. And Martha Roby from Alabama. And then we had, a uh, Take Two Interactive. Uh, we had Rockstar. Um, then we had, uh, Dave Grossman on killing the psychological cost of learning to kill in war and society and the assassination generation, video games, aggression, and the psychology of killing. Because I think we know where that's going, huh? Yeah. Mr. Pat Vance, president of the Entertainment Software Rating Board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I'm sure Trump was wondering why there was a woman there because he was talking about how video games should have some sort of rating.
0: Yeah. Uh these man, they really put this ratings board together quickly. I said it and it happened. I I joke, but at the same time in my in like not really in the back of my head, pretty close to the front, I'm going, I wonder if he said thought that.
1: Yeah, uh, the president of the ESA, uh, Mike, uh, Gallagher, uh, the chairman and CBO of Zenimax, uh, Robert Altman and Melissa Hunson, mother from, uh, parents, uh, television council. That, that, that's her entire uh, thing. She's a mother. So she's, yeah, so she's, she's I- highly outraged. Which the parents yeah, I wasn't television when
0: I said they brought them all yeah
1: the parents television council is also an interesting case because they are pretty much an outrage outreach group and no yeah. I'm not joking about that
0: no i'm I'm familiar with that um so I mean uh, basically from
1: outside of one guy that is pretty biased against video games there's no one here that could even have a scientific statement, which I'm sure the psychological uh, cost of uh, learning to kill is very scientific, right?
0: Yeah, I had never heard of that guy or that book before. I've, If I can find it somewhere free, like at a library or by perusing the interwebs Yard. for free e-books, I might give it a, a once-over and see what he has to say in the book. Uh,
1: if you do... But- let me know when you're reading it so I can sit and watch on Twitter.
0: Okay. Um, but, yeah. Basically, what as far as we can tell from what statements have been made, everyone on the side of video games showed up, presented a bunch of research that states that there's no connection to violent video games and promoting violence. And everyone on the other side said, nah. And then they all went home. Yeah, pretty much.
1: Uh, let's see. Well, let's put it this way. I searched Dave Grossman and, uh, he, he comes up, uh, uh, research group. So, oh boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, as far as video game studies go, the last time we talked about this, a year or two ago, uh, I talked pretty much at length about what I was, had firsthand, uh, familiarity with just because... Uh, I did, like, my senior thesis on psychology of video games and studied this a whole bunch. And since that time and in, you know, some of the other years between, there have been something like another 200 major studies plus several hundred sort of aggregate studies that have been done. And not a single study has ever proved a link between violent video games and violence. And, sure, you can – obviously there's going to be outliers where they use poor – Science and poor statistics and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. I, You know, if I sat down and went through all of them, I know I would find some that were wrong. But the early major studies that were done that I used as part of my research for my senior thesis uh, had good science. They were spot on then. And, you know, this is one of those things that you sort of have to study over time. But over the course of about a 10-year period when five major studies and about two dozen smaller studies were done on the subject... Not one found any link, and it actually worked the other way. Uh, Not necessarily violent video games. Yeah, yeah. People who had a tendency to play video games, regardless of whether or not they were violent, uh, those those areas tended to have lower crime rates, and especially violent crime rates. Because basically they have an outlet, and they have a hobby. So they're not out roaming the streets uh, with the chance to get into trouble. So, you know, and as far as I could tell from just a brief, going through the aggregate studies, which in case you don't know, an aggregate study takes a look at a set of sort of larger, more in-depth studies and puts them all together and tries to draw a conclusion based on those studies that's more digestible to someone to read. You don't want to do aggregate studies of aggregate studies. But aggregate studies themselves can be very useful tools for pulling together huge amounts of data and making them easier to read and understand. Um, so the aggregate studies that I've looked at that have come out in the last five-ish years all continue to show the same result from the earlier studies performed by the U.S. government and I believe it was the uh, Denmark or Norway that did a big study. Germany did a big study. I think there was one that was commissioned by the EU. Um, the, this is, like, knowledge I'm pulling from, from, like, I don't know, the better part of a decade ago. Uh, that's too far. Five or six years ago. Uh, so, you know, some of it might be a little bit fuzzy, but on specifically where the research was done. But anyways, my point being that research continues to prove this fact, that video games do not cause violence, and instead they contribute to lowered rates of violence. I mean, I I think we all know that. I've been hammering on about it for years at this point, but it's just one of those things like this government and for a long time, honestly, a lot of politicians, I'm not exempting the Democrats on this one, uh, are hugely
1: anti-science. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Bigly.
0: Yeah. Particularly the Republican government. But on this one issue, a lot of Dems have for some reason carried on the torch against the face of science and research so probably because it's popular. That's one of those things that's popular. Let's beat up on the video games, especially a, a decade or two ago when they were much much smaller in, or you know a much much smaller industry. Now you only see mostly the the GOP doing this or conservatives doing this.
1: Yeah, sorry. I've been uh, I've almost, been poking around trying to find this book. Uh, finding it on Amazon for ten to fifteen bucks.
0: Yeah, it's not worth that. It's not worth anything. That's why I'm going to get it for free from somewhere.
1: Well, uh, you could uh, use it as a doorstop.
0: I already have doorstops. I have bricks outside that are perfectly capable of doing that. But I told myself before we started the show that I was not going to get political. So I'll accept, like, 15% pol- political. <laughs> I don't want to go off the deep end, though. Um, do we have anywhere else to go with uh, this? Well, Anything that well, you want well, to do try and steer us back on well, track? Well, there was an
1: interesting response. Uh, from, uh, Games for Change, where they put together a counter montage of heartwarming and inspiring moments from, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Life is Strange, Minecraft, Overwatch, which I'm not sure why they already have Overwatch in there, Fortnite, uh, Firewatch, and Never Alone.
0: And, wasn't there some Ori in the Blind Forest in there too? Uh,
1: well, that, well, that's uh, the quick list that they uh, listed on here, but yeah, there was Ori in the oh, Blind okay. Forest as well. And I'll, this will be in the show notes as well under the PC games in or maybe I'll just clip it out to its own thing. And this is showing the kind of the counter argument where the politicians are going on and on and on about the mature video games. The, uh, the rated R, essentially. It's like bitching about the summer blockbusters that are too violent. When the, when the kids are all watching, you know, Pixar movies. So this is showing not quite the Pixar, but it's a interesting counterpoint. And it's a, an argument that I haven't really seen anyone talking about is the fact that there are games out there for children. There aren't these hyper violent, hyper realistic uh, murder simulators that the uh, politicians keep uh, going on and on and on about and keep bringing up this tired old scaremongering tactic, which greeted that is Trump's primary strategy is to bring up scaremongering old fears. And this is something that really should be watched, honestly. Uh, this, uh, it, it, uh, doesn't do it justice just to say, oh, it's a quick montage because it's a lot of thought provoking uh, scenes and a lot of uh, cute moments that are appropriate for children that children should at least be exposed to. And it's like arguing, well, children shouldn't watch the Terminator because it may make them scared. Well, yeah, because it's not rated for them.
0: Yeah, that's not a a movie intended for kids to be any part of the audience. You know, there's most things, pretty much everything in life, exists on a bell curve, and video games are no exception. You've got the extreme end with the mature and the occasional adults-only game out on the right. Then the big bulk of your games fit into this you know, somewhere in the middle, where uh, they are intended late, to be played uh, by very wide audiences. Yeah, late
1: children to uh, adults.
0: Yeah. And then you've got the other extreme end, where games are designed for children. Or, I would say, like, education games might film. Things like that. So, the vast majority of your games are not in this audience, or, you know, they're not intended to be viewed by a young audience. But yet, those are the ones that everyone picks on. And it happens to games, movies, it's happened to books before, music... Yeah, they, they always go for the the stuff that's not intended for kids. And yeah, absolutely. There are kids who play Call of Duty. There are kids who play Grand Theft Auto. And while it's a popular sort of, I don't know, meme or whatever, that's like oh, all all everyone that plays Call of Duty is a kid and all this other stuff, by and large, they're not really. Most kids aren't playing Call of Duty. Most kids aren't playing Grand Theft Auto. No, they're playing Fortnite. Any Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, they're playing Fortnite cuz it's free. Um, and kids don't have money so you know it happens but that's an issue more with parents or with kids who are just smart enough to outsmart their parents which I guess still comes down to parents yeah which and, we've
1: seen the entire idea of painting an entire medium due to its outliers over and over again it's just a scare tactic yeah and this is well, like we talked about in the very beginning, a complete smoke because guns in this country make people absolutely fucking insane. There was a rather interesting podcast, uh, another one, my NPR podcast. They've been getting very, uh, extremely political lately, more so than usual, talking about the history of the NRA, how they pretty much went from overnight responsible gun ownership and marksmanship to ultra- Uh, Second Amendment uh, uh, touters, and that, you know, there should be no control on uh, guns whatsoever. Literally overnight, at one meeting.
0: Did you see the last week tonight episode about NRA TV? Yes. That was hilarious, but also scary. Like, not like in a, oh my god, I'm scared that, like, they're gonna, I don't know, do something, but like, oh my god, these people are insane. People that believe this
1: shit. And the, and the thing is, it's impossible to par- uh, parody because it's so far out there. It's sort of like our current uh, political situation where no matter what you parody, no matter what comedy you write, it's nowhere near reality.
0: Yeah. Is is the proper way to parody something like this to make it normal and respectful?
1: I'm not is sure because, because then it uh, gives some sort of... Uh, credence uh some sort of legitimacy me to it you know where yeah fair point uh, where if you try to play off uh, you know this a debate as completely rational then you know you have people that don't get the joke yeah but you know for all we've talked about here for all the round and round about this I would be shocked that anything happens about this, because we've pretty much seen this already start to die down. Yeah. It's really going to take prolonged outcry from the politicians, because Trump, like you said, has a very short attention span, and he's already going on about the Space Force.
0: Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs)
1: And uh, and, no, fair, though, and no, that's not uh, Mel Brooks' uh, new take on Star Wars. Even though that would be hilarious.
0: I mean, to be fair, I'd rather him be talking about Space Force than just randomly from out of nowhere starting trade wars. Or maybe actual wars. So, you know, all things considered, that's not the worst thing he could be doing right
1: now. Maybe we now. should just put him in front of a video game. You know, give him a babysitter.
0: <laughs> yeah. That would be... It would work. Poetic justice? Poetic justice. I think that's a good place to end this and move on. Yeah,
1: hopefully we don't have to come back to this one for a very, very long time. But honestly, uh, uh, we we may as well just shake the magic eight ball because it's tough to tell these days. Indeed.
0: Uh, I guess we'll just have to
1: see if there's another uh, mass shooting that gets the same media attention.
0: Yeah, I don't want to think about that.
1: Well, there's already just, been a couple. A matter of fact, there was one to a day or yesterday where a teacher accidentally discharged his firearm in class. Oh my god! Armed the teachers. Oh my,
0: oh my god! I, 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 I just I, buried my head and my hands. By the way, I, I could hear your spirit breaking. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, dur- so. during
1: the break, uh, while I waited for you to come back, I went to check out the news. And uh, uh, the top thing on uh, uh, Reddit's news section: High school teacher accidentally fires gun in class.
0: On the one hand, that's really comical. On the other hand, and both feet, it, and it, the it head. doesn't it
1: doesn't it doesn't look like he hit anyone. But yeah, well, that's good. Oh no, no uh, correction. I I, I was I didn't talk about any uh, casualties. Uh, it says three students were injured. So. Yeah, there you go. So, so
0: injured means they were scared shitless and they fell out of their chair uh, rather than well, being shot. Well,
1: I, well, I saw the uh, uh, the spent bullet as a uh, picture on here, but so, but then I read the caption: bullet fragments removed from student's neck. So I'm going to go no. Okay. So technically, he's a school someone- shooter. So what video games has he been playing? Oh god! Fucking damn it. Uh, I, okay. I I could let's... hear your spirit just breaking and I'm so I'm sorry but also not.
0: Let's let's just move on and talk about something else and maybe I'll forget about it for two seconds and feel better. Get the alcohol. Yeah. Our next news topic for the day Artifact. Valve makes a game again. Exclamation point. Wait, there's an exclamation point there? I added that. Oh, alright. I'm editorializing on the fly. Well, you could do that, I guess.
1: I'll just remember So So Artif-
0: Artifact is this new card game. Yeah. And we that can't call Valve it a releasing. CCG
1: now with some details coming out about this. And the reason why we have this on here is that it's interesting. And I'm not sure if uh, that's the backhanded compliment interesting or actually interesting because really it depends on how things play out. Yeah. Um, so uh, the so on, you could go ahead.
0: Well, I was going to say so at the top they've uh, stated that it's not going to be a free to play game, and it's also not going to be pay to win. And
1: that's going to be bullshit. So
0: I'm so that I'm
1: I'm going bullshit on that one because it's a card game, particularly with some of the things that they're talking about doing in this, primarily. How they're, well, technically, it's not a collectible card game. It's not a CCG. It's a TCG, a trading card game. They're bringing into play the Steam Marketplace. And you're going to be able to sell individual cards like Magic the Gathering. And yep. I could, I could see this going hugely play to win, uh, pay to win, especially since it has a buy in already. So, you're buying in and you're getting a base uh, set. They still haven't divulged any information on the pay in or any details, but I'm seeing some potential problems here. What about you?
0: Yeah, I am too. Um, and most trading card games that I've played, because I've played a few, I played Magic a bit, uh, I played Yu Gi Oh!, I played Pokemon. um... In general, if you're just playing with, you know, whoever, it's going to be fine. Um, But the big deterrence to it just being fine is you actually have to go somewhere and buy the card packs and then go through them and integrate them into your deck. And it was a a hassle to to try to buy individual cards, unlike this. Right, because the only way to buy individual cards really up until... I don't know, the last decade before they think they got really big on like Amazon and eBay was you had to go to like conventions or occasionally luck up on one or maybe find like a, a niche website that sold them. Um, in the last 10 years, it's become much more prevalent to be able to buy individual cards on eBay and Amazon and stuff. But uh, in the past, and still though, that's more of a hassle than this because you just spend however many cents or dollars and it's right there for you instead of having to Buy it, wait for it, I'll let Jazz. But, so, there's, there's those two aspects that make this weird and risky. Because one, it's much easier to just buy card packs outright, however that's going to work. Does it say in here if it's going to be, like, single card? Well, not single cards, but, like, card packs with X number of cards, um, or can you buy, like, sets? I
1: didn't see anything like that, but I imagine what they're going to do is, uh, like Magic the Gathering, particularly... Since they have one of the designers from Magic: The Gathering in it, uh, working on the uh, design, so I'd be shocked if it's not close to Magic: The Gathering. So,
0: so okay, so you've got those two aspects. It's easier to just outright buy card packs, uh, which increases your chances to get better, statistically better cards, and it's easier to acquire specific individual powerful cards to round out your deck or hit whatever the current meta is um if they do what magic does which helps to mitigate this factor is one they re- regularly release new card packs or sorry new card sets and discontinue old sets well they already said that they are
1: not gonna season play they're not gonna remove card sets okay.
0: they already said that so so, something else they can do to mitigate it is if they have any sort of official tournament or ranked play in the game, uh, they have seasons, which is what Magic does. And what uh, Hearthstone's technically certain,
1: started doing.
0: Yeah, which makes the cards in, you know, essentially tournament and ranked play, it it lessens the pool with which you can play with. Um, you can also do... Uh, I forget what the term is for it but uh, basically random deck draws draft tournament play yeah drafting thank you uh, you can do drafting which helps mitigate that factor so there's ways to combat it on that well end. this is you also want to be a tournament or ranked player. well there's
1: also the fact that this is a video game so they can come in and make this essentially a well a living card game isn't the proper term for it because that's usually uh, reserved for buying a card game and getting all the cards but a more fluid experience with the cards and be able to adjust how cards are balanced. Granted, Hearthstone tried this for a bit, got a lot of outrage, and then just started the power creep.
0: Yeah, the big issue with Hearthstone that could be potentially mitigated with this or other card games is that Hearthstone would come in and make really big changes and then leave them for months. And then replace those big changes with other big changes. The way to do that is very slowly tweak play. Slowly
1: tweak and also try not to bash the meta with a hammer. Because that's the yeah. other thing that Hearthstone was extremely guilty of. Is If there was one style that uh, they saw as too overpowered, which with it being Hearthstone probably was because of how Hearthstone's built up. Aha! I win. No,
0: I win. No, I win. Yeah, Hearthstone used a very—you know—there's the carrot and the stick analogy. Hearthstone used the stick. I think the the better way to do it with this type of game is the carrot method, just slow tweaks, and instead of making certain playstyles worse, make other playstyles more viable. Well, something
1: else that is a problem with Hearthstone, which we really can't compare the two too much outside of they both have cards because uh, artifact is going more of a magic route where it has different phases a sort of like magic where uh, there's uh, you're playing cards and then there's a combat phase and there's a second phase it looked like and it's split across three different battlefields so you're essentially playing three card games at once really really weird uh, but uh, me, uh,
0: I do like the idea yeah of yeah, that, it's,
1: yeah it's interesting. Once again, not sure how I feel about it. We'll see which interesting it is closer to release, but... uh, Hearthstone is very expensive, and there's really no single player to try to help fuel this. And Artifact, if they have some sort of single player to help out with, you know, the extreme price of cards... Because Hearthstone, it was very tough to get the cards for quite a while. Even now now that they've dialed it back some it's still very expensive and Hearthstone is probably the most expensive uh, card game you could try to play outside of Magic the Gathering itself. Yeah. Because it's three expansions a year now each one to get a full set 200 $250 Yeah. For a card game. A digital card game.
0: Sometimes sometimes more. Depending on your luck. Because if you get really bad rolls, well, well, you have well, to rely much more on the dust mechanic. Yeah, which,
1: because that, that's the thing that, because the market is in this game, uh, isn't going to come into play because you could just sell off your extras.
0: Yeah, but there are definitely going to be a lot of common cards that aren't going to sell at all yeah. or be worthless. So that'll be really frustrating if there's no mechanic to get rid of. The cards that nobody wants because they're literally the most common cards. Yeah, I
1: imagine that uh, there would have to be some sort of dev system. This is all speculation because we have a few gameplay videos and Gabon talking a little bit about the game and no real specifics. I think... It's something I I want to try, but I'm not sure about buying into it.
0: I do want to try it. I might buy into it if i like it depends it depends on
1: the price because of the big tom
0: i want i want a good card game but the biggest problem with these types of you know these card games on pc is is that there's just i don't feel like there's a good way to do any of the mechanics outside of the actual card matches battles whatever you want to call them themselves there's always an issue with something Hearthstone has its issues. Um, the Elder Scrolls one has its issues. The couple of other like Hearthstone type um, well, clones I've played well, have their issues. What was the
1: problems? Uh, we talked about Hearthstone's uh, just cost and uh, how it really requires a lot, either a lot of snowballing or and uh, the aha i win mechanic. Uh, what's uh, Elder Scrolls's?
0: On, but honestly, they all come down, I think, to card acquisition and management.
1: I would say Fairy actually was probably the most fair I've played, uh, but it has a large single-player component, but not a lot of multiplayer, so it's kind of the inverse.
0: I think the one the model that would work best on PC that I don't think I've ever seen. I don't know if any exists. There might be one that I don't know of, but the Living Card Game model, where that you don't have to worry about that shit, and you just buy the entire expansion when it releases is i think the best way to deal with this issue on pc because there's not and i you know artifact could change that with it's using the steam uh inventory system to create an actual secondary market for these cards might fix that problem um but since we haven't seen that before yeah we've we've never seen this have we no uh you know at best you can use like hearthstone's a you know dust system or its equivalent i've seen a couple of card games that will let you re-roll cards yeah feria does that cards to upgrade them uh, Faria um, has the
1: re-roll uh system on uh opening a pack so if you have well, all the packs of course it's the pretty standard uh, model where all the packs have at least a rare but you have an option to re-roll one rare or higher card and and you, and you yeah. get another card of that rarity. So if I reroll an epic, I'll get another epic. If I reroll a legendary, I'll get another legendary. And it's not guaranteed that it'll be one that I don't have. So that uh, you have that uh, still chance element, but it's mitigated a little bit by having the option of a second roll of the dice.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know, it's just hard, you know, maybe this might just be a maybe I'm old situation where I think that this is all, and is just something that doesn't translate well to the digital space, but, I don't know, maybe, maybe artifacts actually using, you know, the inventory system and community market will fix that problem. Are there any living card games on it, in, it, that exist in digital media anyway. Not
1: that I could think of off the top of my head. I hadn't really thought about it, though.
0: Uh, I'm just a big fan of that model anyways. I long ago outgrew the card-collecting stage of my life, and I'm just like, I just want to buy a thing and have all of it.
1: Yeah, it's it's, f- it's very I it frustrating. Uh, I just wish that there was more single-player card games. We get a few, like uh, Slay the Spire. But there's not that many still.
0: Yeah, single player or cooperative card games.
1: Yeah, the closest because I've got yeah, a, closest we have for a co- uh, cooperative is things like Two Headed Ogre and Magic: The Gathering.
0: Yeah, I've got several cooperative card games, like in my board game and card game collection. Um, things that Katie and I enjoy playing together, or all playing together with our friends. I just i I like cooperating a lot and stuff like that.
1: Huh. I didn't know that existed. What? Uh, Well, I just typed in uh, cooperative uh, card game PC, and I came up with the Dresden Files cooperative card game on Steam.
0: Interesting. Didn't. Let me just do a quick search. Didn't know that existed. Play Harry, Dresden, and his friends. And I do like the Dresden Files.
1: Granted, I'm probably about six novels behind now.
0: Well, we should add this to our wish list.
1: Yes, we should. Well,
0: first, we should see if it's, just see if it's good. Later, add it to our wish list. This would be a fun game for us to play, as long as it's not a pile of shit. But it does seem to have mostly positive reviews, so that's positive.
1: Oh, obviously. Well, obviously, but I was just—I uh, <laughs> mean, that's literally the first thing that comes up in a Google search.
0: It's the first thing it types up or comes up if you type "cooperative" into Steam as well. Dresden Files. Yeah, it looks card like game.
1: Dresden Files is just uh, all over this, but I, I'm okay with this.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: now let's see. I, I want to see if there's a living card game on PC.
0: Okay, looks like this game's lowest price is only seventeen bucks, but it just came out. It looks like last October, so maybe this Steam sale or this coming summer sale, it'll be down fifty like percent huh. off or something like.
1: That. Well searching for a living card game lord of the rings living card game
0: i'm familiar with that game but is it on pc yeah
1: it's on steam and hasn't released yet it's coming into early access second quarter 2018
0: oh sweet baby jesus the lord of the rings living card game is a lot of fun um you work together to go on quests from lord of the rings basically and you're given a scenario and some of them, you know, they come from the, the various books. So it does look like we're getting like some
1: more diversity in the card game market.
0: Available Q2 2018. Add to wishlist. I will be all over that. Does it have... It doesn't say. It's just a single player. Right now. Hopefully it's not just a, a local co-op thing. Because this game is a lot of fun. I've played a couple of games with some friends that have it. And it's a blast.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not huge in the card game uh, market, so... Uh, I'm just seeing if I can find anything else off the first page, but it doesn't look like it. But then again, yeah, Living Card Game popped up, so...
0: Yeah.
1: It, it looks like it. pretty much everything on this is uh, directed me to Lord of the Rings. So, that's two for the list.
0: Sweet. Well, that makes me smile. Take all the smiles I can get,
1: especially these days.
0: Uh, so, kind of, sort of moving on. This is a a connected thing, um, related to artifact, but yeah, uh, that
1: uh, Gaben has been talking about making more games.
0: Indeed.
1: Which uh, there's really not a lot of details coming out about this. We have known that. Bob has been working on some uh, VR stuff in the background, uh, you know, uh, hammering away at in the la- in the lab. But uh, it sounds like he's working, on, or uh, the teams are working on non VR stuff. Granted, I don't think we're going to get Half Life three.
0: I don't either, and that's okay. I would like to see some genuine new IP. Because all of their, their new IP has always been really successful and typically has done something innovative. So I'd love to see some new IP from them.
1: Something innovative. Um, I, I would like to see them kind of branch out more from the first-person uh, perspective. Because think yeah. about it. How many of their games have been first-person either shooters or puzzlers?
0: All of them? Uh, Dota. Yeah, so most of them. Uh,
1: Ricochet. Remember, that's a Valve game. No.
0: (laughs) Is it on Steam? I've got Steam pulled up right now.
1: I'm pretty sure I have the name of that correct.
0: Yep, developer Valve. Uh, Release date, November 1st, 2000. Looks kind of like the disc game from Tron.
1: Yeah, it's probably, well I shouldn't say probably, it is the uh, worst game. And the most forgotten, for good reason uh but yeah they have very limited non first per- or yeah non first person games so i would love to see them to do something different granted they have been working with that with their vr which okay it's still first person but it's something different and valve has all the money in the world and all the time in the world to really perfect these games granted the, uh, yeah sometimes that's a good thing sometimes that's a bad because if you into the developer commentary and listen to them talk about Portal 2 and how they playtested it almost to death in some places. Not to say Portal 2 is a bad game, but there is such a thing as trying to streamline too much or trying to overdo too much. And yeah, I think Portal 2 in some aspects may have done that because they just you know have all the time, all the money in the world. And until they announce something, people know Valve is working on something but because of how Valve is structured nobody knows exactly what or even the Rubberd projects may not come to fruition because of the uh, really flat infrastructure that Valve has Valve is just such a weird company I I really am uh, concerned about when Gaben's gone
0: yeah that'll be, be interesting
1: interesting good or interesting bad we don't know yeah but not a lot to talk about here just because it was just a few comments about them starting up game production again which is great Uh, uh, they really need to uh, work more on the source engine they they have the new version in dota but that's really all they've done with it as far as i know
0: yeah i don't i haven't really followed its development What's up with it? Uh, It's
1: pretty much just a refinement of Source uh, to uh, allow for uh, bigger maps and more assets in the game. Because Dota 2 is a very impressive game for its engine, (laughs) Uh, to say it lightly. At least as far as I understand on a technical aspect. I could be completely wrong on that, of course. But then again, I reserve the right to be completely wrong, and I do it. Several times. Usually an episode. So, I guess this is more just a wait and see, but, you know, it tied in enough with this that we uh, thought it'd be prudent to to, uh, talk about a little bit. Yeah. But hey, the Sleeping Giant's waking up. So, so we have at least one AAA developer, because I do consider Valve, if not AAA, damn
0: close. Yeah, they've definitely got the money and the resources to be it if they wanted to. Uh,
1: but we have a AAA developer that's waking up that hopefully will actually put out good games that aren't full of just industry bullshit. Then again, yeah, you know, Valve is pretty much running the industry at this point.
0: At least on the PC side of things. Yeah. Ready to move on to our final news topic of the night? Yeah, I think so. All right. Fortnite is coming to mobile and will support cross-play with PC and consoles. And to sort of clarify that potentially misleading headline, it's going to work the way that Rocket League does. Uh, PC gets to play well, with everybody. Well, not quite.
1: It's a little bit different. But uh, uh, PC gets to play with uh, – uh, well, all of them have their own uh, lobby system. But you're able to invite people into other lobbies that's how i've been able to read this where let's say you are out and about and you're uh, you have your phone with you and i wanted to play uh, uh fortnite with you i can invite you to the pc lobby or you can invite me to the mobile lobby and this seems like a very bad idea
0: yeah um first of all fortnite is a shooter third person third person basically uh, twitch well, action shooter
1: a uh, third-person battle royale uh, twitch shooter.
0: Yes, and shooters always favor keyboard and mouse. Like that's just unless a fact.
1: they hamper them uh, to such a degree that it's unplayable.
0: Right. Uh, then you've got your console people who will be playing on a controller. Not the best way to play shooters, but certainly better than playing on a phone. We were talking about this before, and the o- the only way that this would be seemingly be playable. Is if you use a Bluetooth controller with your phone, well, which there's I, plenty well, just, of people who do, I, and that might be the intended I just audience. I something. What?
1: Some Bobo games support mouse and keyboard.
0: I have never seen a mobile keyboard. Uh, if uh, you could set it up where uh,
1: the Android can accept a mouse,
0: I suppose it. You could do it. You know, just via Bluetooth. <laughs>
1: Or you know, USB, uh, mini USB uh, hub to regular USB. Yeah,
0: that sounds way worse on a phone though than it does on anything else. Well, just tablet. Yeah, I guess. But I guess uh,
1: yeah. I'm just seeing the uh, mobile version of this being just a mess, like with people uh, having various control methods.
0: Yeah. Granted, it is they, impressive
1: they... that they can get this working on mobile.
0: Mobile phones are, are and tablets. Well, especially I'm, not, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about it
1: working, but it being pretty much one to one with the PC version. Oh yeah, that's impressive. Yeah.
0: It's the art style, man. Because Fortnite is really cartoony. You can hide a lot of, I guess, graphical downgrades if necessary to make it run at at least a, a playable frame. Yeah, drop
1: some of the polygons.
0: Yeah. Which is not a bad thing. I'm not, like, downing it. That that could have come across as, like, a negative. I'll I'll take art style any day over trying to produce something that looks, you know, photorealistic. Well, you don't
1: need to see the sweat coming off of the character's ass at, at no, three frames a second.
0: I don't need to see that at, at, yeah, at 3F. So, I'm not, you know, I'm not surprised. Phones and tablets, you know, modern phones and tablets released in the last couple of years. Especially, you know have gotten very very powerful even your budget type phones have gotten pretty powerful just due to the CPUs the you know mobile being able to squeeze more performance out of a smaller amount of battery power energy drains if you games on on a phone but you know they're they're getting on up there comparable to a lot of just general like mobile chipsets that you find in like laptops and things so I'm not surprised that they can get it running but I don't know why anyone would want to play this. Even if you're playing it with a controller or using, you know, mouse and keyboard, if your device supports it, I just don't know why you'd want to play a game like this on a tiny screen. Even
1: like a tablet screen is like
0: nine inches. I
1: was thinking a pretty good-sized tablet probably wouldn't be that bad. I mean, it, for, for out not. and about. I mean, that's the thing, is that... If you're somewhere where you, you know, you have a lunch break or something, you know, you're at work, you have a lunch break for, you know, 30 minutes, that's probably enough time to do a, a match of Fortnite.
0: I think Fortnite matches are 10 to 15 minutes. They're well, well, I was, much shorter than Bucky. Well, Bungie. I was
1: including, you know, actually eating your damn lunch.
0: Uh, but I'll eat when I'm dead.
1: Really could have fooled me.
0: <laughs> but I'm... Um,
1: Fat people jokes. Uh, but I, I can see a bit of a market for it, but the fact that they have crossplay is just you know, a head scratcher for me because you're, you're inviting people with a lot faster and a lot better aim into uh, at your games or you're bringing in an albatross by having someone that is at best using a Bluetooth, uh, controller, maybe if the game supports a, a mouse and keyboard on a, a tablet. It does look like it runs fairly well, but we haven't seen full performance uh, breakdowns of this game yet, so if it runs at 30, uh, that is a bit of a hit.
0: But the, Not necessarily, it, 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 just because the server tick rate is yeah, more important true. in these games than your actual frame rate. I mean, it, not that it doesn't matter. I'd much rather play it at sixty than thirty, but the server tick rate for Fortnite is, I believe, somewhere around twenty something hertz.
1: Well, it also increases as the uh, uh, server gets emptied. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and it's a more linear as the uh, as the battle gets more intense, the tick rate goes up. Unlike PUBG, where uh, according to Battle Nonsense, it's all over the fucking place. Yeah, at least when he tested, it, uh, what two or three months ago now. No, he tested it a second oh, time. Since oh, he then did.
0: After they, after they made some pretty big changes to it, and it's still all over the place, but it's like slightly better.
1: Yeah, which uh, that's a really good channel, by the way.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: I, I definitely see the market for it, but it's still really up in the air. And they talked about it coming to iOS first, with Android release coming later. But uh, Fortnite's turned itself around, big time. It's it is amazing just the turnaround of this game because when it released, you know, there was really a lot of not sure what to do with this because it was mostly yeah. a survival game. It's uh, it's the DayZ thing going all over again where at first it was a survival game, then it morphed into something else. Which yeah. H1Z one, by the way, has gone free to play <laughs> after yeah. uh, after a week of uh, being launched out of early access as a paid game, and boy, people were pissed about that. But I, uh, but I think the uh, player count went through the roof at least for a short time.
0: I saw an ad for it somewhere, uh, and at first I thought it was a new expansion for GTA V because it looks like yeah, yeah they're doing
1: some sort of automotive battle royale which is interesting uh let's yeah. see uh I- i'm going to h1z1 set uh, uh steam chart uh wow okay so it went from uh, about 9000 which is respectable that's actually a fairly good graded battle royale that's yeah worse because it's 100 players which I really don't think a Valorant needs to be 100 players all the time. Uh no. it jumps up to 41,000 then it's come back down to 28,000. So it's lost ha- uh, about half. And this is day average. Yeah. So we'll have to see how that handles but
0: interesting. Yeah. I mean th- I guess there's no reason for them not to do crossplay. And I'm sure there is a small. Well, what this. Well, I don't know. I'm assuming a small percentage of the mobile market that they'll grab yeah. that. Um, well, let's put it this way. Uh, they didn't have. While before. I was waiting
1: on you to uh, show up uh, today, I was poking around the Google Play Store, you know, uh, like I do every so often, trying to find something that is an absolute shit. And in the top 20 for me, I saw a cheat for Fortnite. <laughs> It's not even out yet, but it's someone advertising uh, some sort of uh, cheat program. That's just ads. At least it showed up for a short time. I'm not sure if it's still there, but the fact that that's there, you yeah, know, there it is, something going on. Yeah, I think it was in top three games. I'm trying to find it real quick because I saw it and thought, oh, this is this game isn't even out yet. This is uh, obviously some sort of scam the fact that it's so popular, the battle royale genre is just absurd, how popular and how quickly it's blown up. Yeah.
0: Maybe I'm old. It's just, <laughs> I,
1: it has to be a bubble that bursts at some point, though. It just can't keep going. Especially-
0: with, Well, I mean, all of these exploding genres are at some point. Well, well
1: I was going to say, especially with uh, how the matches are- what? Four times the size of a regular shooter these days. Four uh, or five times.
0: Yeah, most regular shooters are anywhere between eight and sixteen. Yeah, which do you occasionally get some so,
1: that go up to sixty-four. But that's a yeah. Battlefront that's a rarity. two
0: was what twenty-five or twenty? I guess it'd be twenty. At least with that attitude. So, yeah. I don't know what Battlefield goes to. It's probably the same, like the 16 to 24 range. I might be wrong, though. I'm not a Battlefield player. I never really have been. Uh, but this is uh, more of a curiosity,
1: and I'm interested to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, like I said, really, there's no reason for them not to do this. I just don't understand who would want to play the game that way. But I'm sure there are people who do. And, you know, I don't exactly fit into that subset being you know a hardcore PC gamer who really cares about performance uh, over just about anything else
1: Well, I think it would have been more interesting and no this isn't a rag on the uh, battle royale genre or Fortnite in particular if it wasn't Fortnite but if it was another game like a turn based strategy or something like that that where you play doesn't really matter because they talked about in the announcement we believe uh, this is the future of games. Uh, the same game on all platforms. Console quality, graphics, in action. Play uh, when you want, where you want. For a game that isn't as action-packed, uh, that is a bit slower, I think it would be uh, make a lot more sense to
0: be on mobile. Yeah. I've played... They've existed. I don't know if there's any out now. But there was one... It was a free-to-play, turn-based, sort of strategy-type game that released initially on mobile, and then it came to Steam, and you could play either on the PC or on your mobile device. And you could, you know, take turns, um, not, like, play by email, but, like, you know, you'd take your turn, and then the game would wait until the other person could pick up their turn and play. So, and that was a lot of fun. Well, uh, Um,
1: Frozen Synapse did it on... uh... Uh, mobile and PC, where uh, it was an eight well, not asymmetric, but uh, simultaneous turn system, where both players yeah. uh commit their turn and then it plays out, and then they uh, submit their next turn, and that works really well. And uh, it works exceptionally well on mobile because you may see the notification, then you know have a five minute break, set up your turn, and uh, be done with it. Yeah, Created, uh we're coming into the. Into really two platformer or platforms that are of two opposite ends of the spectrum, where mobile really throbs when it's very short uh, bursts of uh, gameplay, very short interactions with the game, and a lot of the games are built around that. While PC is the opposite end, where hour long, hours long experiences, games, ten hours of minimum game time, yeah, and a lot less. Grand a lot less advertising bullshit, a lot less loot boxes, at least for the time being. Uh, as a whole for the industry, not just the AAA, I should say. So, it's two conflicting styles of game, and two conflicting platforms of game, trying to come together
0: into this glorious, glorious mess. Yeah, I do, we've said this before, well, I've said this before, I don't remember what you said, but I do think that in the future... Something like two or three decades, there will have be this large shift for most of like your general population where that there will be a device, a phone, a tablet, or some future device that you know we can't conceive of because it's a future device, that does do everything, and that's for the general consumer. And then you have your hardcore you know hobbyist enthusiast level that might have specific hardware. But that's going to become a lot more niche. I mean, I think PC gaming is still a little more niche than than console gaming. But, I mean, PC gaming is a massive market. So, I don't really think that it qualifies as a niche market. But in 20 or 30 years, when the type of um, whatever the technology turns out to be that can fill that gap for 80-90% of the population exists... Something like cloud computing... uh Remote gaming. Yeah, then we'll see that be the solution for that huge chunk of the population, and most things will be about the software, about the game itself, and it doesn't really matter where you play it. You know, you go home, you your device, whatever it is, You, next you to your turn TV, on the box. Boom, you can play it on the big screen. Yeah, you turn on the box. It connects to the TV. You play it there, or you're out and about. You just play it directly off the box, um, and then you know. PC, the equivalent of PC gaming will be for the enthusiasts who want something more that is more capable or whatever to play the niche type of games or whatever. So I think they're right, but I don't think that that's in the time frame that they probably think it will be.
1: Um, particularly with the infrastructure of the US. and well, yeah. Not just you know, ragging on the stupidity of the FCC, but also the geography of of the united states where there has to be a sh- huge shift from rural to urban it's starting to happen but it hasn't happened to the degree that it needs to but right, for this thing yeah. to really work out as a consumer device it can work in smaller countries countries with a, h- a lot higher density but
0: population yeah density.
1: population density but just not here just yet Unless you want to spend a ton on your infrastructure, and then you're just eating up so much profits that it's not even worthwhile. Yeah. Unless we have, like, Elon Uh, Musk do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I think another technology that we'll see become a lot more viable in the future will be satellite-based internet services. I know they exist now, but they have huge latencies, and they're extremely expensive. Speaking of Elon Musk, isn't he planning on doing that? Yeah, he, he is. Uh, worldwide, I forget what he calls it, but like Skynet, blanket net or something. We'll um, call it Scannet. Nothing I, will go wrong. But I I think in the future that will become less of an issue. Uh, I've seen some people speculate that it will have to do with advancements in in laser. What's it called? Laser communication technology mm-hmm. or something like that, where basically you know you're communicating everything via laser beams. Pointed at receiver dishes, which you know they're they're communicating at the speed of light, so it doesn't matter. You know, you're not using relying on radio waves or anything, which does, while being extremely fast, they do have a travel time. Well, aren't
1: radio waves also the speed of light? You're talking more about less interruption with weather coverage because the laser can yes also uh, punch through, for lack of a better term.
0: Yeah, radio waves do travel. At or very near the speed of light I can't remember uh, well radio but waves are the,
1: a form of light,
0: just a different yes, spectrum so it but they're much more uh, susceptible to degradation and they take longer to yeah and they take longer to uh, be tr- uh, transceived basically so there's latency on the processing end whereas a laser can do that much faster. And you can already do it to a certain extent. I've seen office buildings that use laser transmitters to extend their range to another building without having to put in uh, essentially ground lines. And the communication is you know, comparable in speed to wired infrastructure. You just have to go out and turn the dish every once in a while when a bird whacks it. Or it gets fried, it, uh, it back gets fried
1: whenever it goes between the beam.
0: Yeah, but, you know, that's just one sort of speculation, like future tech thing I, I've seen. Uh, there's different radio frequencies, and as the technology to process um, essentially radio waves increase, you know, gets better, the latest. So there's a whole bunch of ways that they're looking at doing it, but I think that's going to be a huge thing in the future. Because, yeah, the United States and a lot of other countries have got an infrastructure problem that would cost so much money to fix. I mean, we want it to happen and I really rag on companies and even the government for not being willing to do this, but also it's really fucking expensive to lay thousands, tens of thousands of miles worth of cable because you have to go everywhere. If you're going to do it, you know, you can't just do an upgrade to the back, uh, the backbone infrastructure because they've already done that and it helps a little bit but you know it's not enough to get everyone those speeds well also
1: the problem is just a cost benefit analysis Uh, you have to sell it to the politicians yeah and well we've already talked about how the politicians are shifting more and more anti-science and more just gut feelings yeah yeah, you know, and, and thoughts wonder, and prayers, of course. I yeah. can, I must hear the Twitch wonder, as well.
0: I wonder how long it's going to take us until we get, like, someone who seriously, on a big national stage, campaigns as, like, an internet candidate. I've seen him in, like, some smaller local elections. Uh, someone runs as an independent candidate. Like, I'm an internet candidate, and I'm going to deal with issues revolving around the internet. Net neutrality... Well, I thought you I thought you were going to say uh,
1: have a meme as a uh, candidate because we already had that.
0: No. No, I'm not talking about that. I know who you're talking about. But I wonder how long before we're going to have like a big mainstream candidate say I'm an internet candidate or a maybe I'm a, from the internet. The I'm here to help. To say it, as <laughs> maybe as a maybe as a tech-based candidate instead. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Although I guess um Shit, what's his face? Facebook man. Zuckerberg. Uh, Zuckerberg. Has talked about running, and most people think that's a bad idea. Well, better than Oprah, um, at least. Yeah. Probably. I'm not 100% sure how, f- how I feel about that. I haven't done enough research to form an educated uh, opinion.
1: Me either, but Oprah is also
0: pretty anti-science. Yeah, she is. So... Uh, Although she'd give everybody a free car! <laughs> MPS. bees! <laughs> oh. We ended up talking on this a lot longer than I expected. Indeed, we did. Um, we're going to start running up against our new time barrier soon, so we should probably move yeah, on. Yeah, just mosey. Yep, mosey on over to the weekly community corner, where we have, what was it, one tweet yes. and a question this yeah, week? Yeah, we had
1: a tweet and then a question from the list, which... I'm going to populate with my old uh, questions of the week. So we'll have some uh, uh, well, I shouldn't say interesting choices uh, more random choices. How about that? (laughs) That's fine. Uh, So the uh, don't tell me I didn't save so I'm going to have to bring up a tweet deck because it didn't say my old note. Oops, sorry about that. It was Kyle though. Uh, Kyle, good news. Crash is coming back. And the Angry Pants letter. Bad news. That shit takes forever and a day to record and edit and will be a next week thing. Well, I guess we'll see you in seven days. Yeah. Hey, but hey, our, our Kerbal's coming back. Woohoo!
0: Speaking of Kerbal's, so I hope that somebody... Talks about the new, what is it, the history? Making, making history, history yeah. update to update. Yeah, they also
1: released a free patch that had some of the things that they were talking about being part of the expansion in it, which
0: was a little surprising. Yeah, I saw the patch, but I didn't see what was uh,
1: it. Well, the main thing was parachutes.
0: New, new parachutes? No, 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 no. no, no, no. For...
1: Parachutes on the Kerbals.
0: Oh, okay. Uh,
1: they have to be cool. level three or higher. Which is pretty much uh, coming back from the moon. Then they get issued a parachute.
0: <laughs> you have to prove yourself responsible before you get a parachute. No, 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 Proof no, 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 no. They don't one.
1: prove themselves responsible, they prove themselves as non expendable. We can't sure. afford I to lose you now. Look at it. <laughs> uh, and the other thing was a uh, built in texture
0: switcher. So you could swap uh, looks of parts uh, in the base game doesn't really compel me to check out KSP right now, but maybe. And maybe of later. course,
1: broke all the mods. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okie dokie. Well, there's that. Uh, our question. Are we still going to do the same yeah, question? Yeah, we can. Okie dokie. We received a question from Happy Al, uh, And it says, Jared mentioned baking a lot last time, which would have been- Ages weeks, ago. Weeks, if not months ago now. Uh, but- Here we are. What are some of your favorite foods to make and why? Uh, The answer to that question is yes, and because I love food.
1: (laughs) Pretty much the same. Um, I actually uh, really uh, loved – well, I don't do it as much anymore just because of mobility issues and it being a pain to be on my feet long enough. But I used to love to bake and make cookies and bread. I
0: thoroughly despise making bread. I don't know why. It's not hard. Uh, it's, especially with a bread maker. Well, well I but, didn't have a bread maker. I, have, I was but... uh, uh, doing it by hand.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a good way to uh, work out aggression. Maybe we, uh, maybe we after uh, uh, reading political news, you should go make a loaf of bread. You, you get, so. to, go, make
0: it the you get to go
1: punch some bre- uh, some uh, dough. Well, we'll just add oh, yeah. some orange dye to it. Or you could just make pretzels with all the salt. Which I haven't made pretzels okay. before and made bagels before it's a um,
0: i've never
1: uh, it's it's not that bad. hard it's a bit time consuming because you have to do a bit of a soak on uh, the proof dough uh, but uh they turned out fairly well granted they were a little ugly because the uh, yeah it was the first time making them so yeah you i hadn't refined the process uh, um yeah. but they tasted uh, perfectly fine it,
0: i've never made pretzels i've got some pretzel what it's like a pretzel dough making kit that i got for christmas
1: well pretzels and uh and bagels are the same it, basic idea where they're soaked in a, a soda water uh, okay. uh so it's the same basic idea only pretzels are made a little different on the dough if memory serves correctly granted it's been a long time since i've d- uh, done it uh and of course they have salt right uh, and maybe cheese depending on how fancy you make your pretzels
0: yeah, I probably wouldn't put cheese on a, a pretzel. No, in the pretzel. me with my issues. Oh, in them? Yeah, definitely not. Not because I wouldn't like it, but because it would hurt me.
1: Well, sometimes uh, you need to get hurt a little bit. Sometimes you've been a naughty boy <laughs> and you need to be hurt.
0: Uh, When it comes to cooking, I prefer to just like wing it. Um, I'm not a recipe person. I can follow a recipe if there's something that wants to be. 99% of the time, whenever I want to cook something, I'll walk into the pantry and look in the freezer and be like, "What meat do we have today for me to thaw and make something out of?" And I'll just dream up meals on the fly. Um and I'm I'm not a chef by any means, but I'm a pretty damn good cook. Uh both of my parents cooked a lot and taught me a lot of stuff about cooking and sort of flavor combinations, and uh, some of the, honestly, you know, I've talked in the past before about my family issues, some of the only really positive memories I have from being a, a kid is whenever we would go to cook something in the kitchen, and they would just make stuff up, and be like, well, this goes with this, and that goes with that, and, you know, unless you're baking, you don't really have to worry about measuring stuff too much, and you can usually always get away with adding a little bit of this for some added flavor, or, you know, whatever, for whatever you're cooking, so... Cooking, to me, is very fun and stress-relieving and sort of like an art. There are some things yeah, that uh, I do really... Yeah, I've
1: always heard the term that cooking is a science, but baking is an art.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's the other way. I don't know. They're both kind of art and kind of science. Uh, because, I mean, cooking is chemical reactions. You mm-hmm. know, heat and... He ways Brown. Different ...things combine. But, uh... There are some things that I do really enjoy making. Uh, For example, an omelet. Just the perfect omelet with the perfect fold and flip and distribution of whatever it is that you're putting in it and and the right amount of cheese on it. Making a perfect omelet is something that I really enjoy doing and actually put a lot of time (laughs) and effort into. Um, Also, grilling things. Uh, I have got some really interesting methods for grilling things that can produce some amazing flavors, um, especially chicken and steaks. Uh, for example, one thing that I just dreamed up one day was taking coconut oil. Well, you've lost me already. When you, when, you know, when you buy coconut oil, it, it comes as like a, a solid or a cream. I don't know exactly what you want to call it. Sort of like butter, I guess. Um, I don't know. When, I, I when you melt proc- it, is I despise I coconut. I really like it. I hate everything coconut except coconut oil. Coconut oil is delicious to cook with. It does add a bit of a sweet taste to a lot of things if you overdo it, so you have to be careful with that. Um, but one of the things that I do for grilling sometimes is take some coconut oil and melt it in the microwave. Um, and then get whatever it is that I'm going to be grilling. I typically do this with steaks because steaks usually cut, come in a thinner cut, uh, so that you can sear them really quickly on the outside, but keep the inside, uh, medium rare ish, depending on your personal preference. Um, so they're thin enough and you can get away with doing this. You melt your coconut oil, you put it in like a Tupperware container and you put your steak inside of that and you put whatever you're going to, uh, coat it with uh I, I use a lot of of dry rubs as opposed to like marinades and stuff so whatever you oh, get it, is it, it. you like I'm, to rub your meat oh yeah so whatever it is that i'm coating the steak with i put it in it and then you put that in the freezer and you leave it for you know a couple hours typically i like prep it the day before put it in the freezer overnight get it out a, a couple of three hours ahead of time uh so that it, the steak inside will start to thaw um and the coconut oil will stay solid because it, it's reformed. And then you grill it that way. Um, and you get this really even coating of oil and ingredients on the top and it grills. The, the bottom will just melt away and go into your grill and get, you'll get some flame up and some a little bit of sear. You have to be careful not to chart though, if you leave it in the same place, cause it is oil and it'll, you know, catch your grill on fire. Um, but everything grills from the top down to the bottom as the coconut oil melts. Your flavors get in, and you you flip it. You get a bit of an uneven cook in the middle because you want to keep um, you want to keep your your seasoning on top for as long as possible, uh, and then you flip it and sear the other side and then pull it off. So you do get a little bit of an uneven cook in the middle, but goddamn, is that some good meat? You can get a lot of really good flavors mixed in there.
1: Well, I think we uh, found the uh, title for the episode. Jared talks about his meat.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to put a swear in the title, but God damn, that's some good meat would be an excellent title. I'll just go with that's some good meat. I'm, I'm going to go add that Jared right likes now. to rub
1: his meat. Also, something else I'd like to make that's very simple uh, is Waffles.
0: I cannot make a a, a a good waffle to save my life.
1: Well, I have a Belgium waffle maker. Yeah, you know, the fancy type that just flips around, and yeah, uh, I found a recipe and I've kind of modified it every time. Uh, basically, how I work is I start off with a recipe and uh, and make it as stated the first time, and then I start to slowly change it, and this. Uh, waffle recipe i have the batter comes out pretty thick i mean just uh, it's not it doesn't even flow but it works perfectly for my waffle maker because the uh, of how it uh, comes together and it makes some really uh crunchy on the outside but very soft in the middle because of all the leavening of all the uh well, I use self-rising flour just to, as a bit of a cheap. I mean, the only difference between self-rising and on-purpose is that it has the leavening agent and the salt built into it immediately. Good. You can't really change the ratio, so it's less versatile. And if you need something that doesn't need the, uh, the baking powder, baking, yeah, baking powder, uh, then you're kind of screwed on that front. Uh, and also my waffles are loaded with butter. And uh, sugar, so they uh, 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 crisp up really, really nicely, and they're buttery, and you don't uh, even need to put butter on them. But I'm sure you would.
0: Yeah, actually, probably. I, I, not, well, I
1: also not me, Katie. I also would. use the uh, the same recipe for my pancakes, and because the batter's so thick, uh, you have to kind of uh, spread it out. It doesn't uh, come uh, out into a pancake shape naturally. Uh, unless you yeah. like your pancakes kind of uh, uh, oblong with a big bulge in the middle. But it makes some holly thick pancakes just because of how thick the batter is.
0: Yeah. I prefer thin and crispy pancakes. Uh, see, I like mine uh,
1: uh, light and fluffy.
0: I was really hoping you were going to say I like mine thick. Um, Extra thick. Yeah, Katie's Katie's the waffle maker in our house. She can make perfect Crispy on the outside, fluffy on the inside. Waffles every time, and I just can't.
1: Well, see, part of mine is the waffle maker itself, because you know it's a rather nice waffle maker.
0: Yeah, something else that I really enjoy making the perfect version of is uh, fried rice, uh, Asian, you know, Asian style fried rice. Um, I can make fried rice as good as Chinese restaurants. Well, see, I'm
1: limited on my Asian stuff here. Uh, I, I have a friend that uh grew up in uh Taiwan. Yeah. And uh she was talking about uh yo, know, yeah, you should try this because we were talking about different recipes and I wanted something kind of uh easy and quick to make because of my limited time on my feet. Uh yeah. and I said you're way overestimating the amount of Asian stuff I have available. She said, well, it's available in all supermarkets. I sent her a picture of the Asian section of, of the uh, uh, market I go to. It, the one that's within hobbling distance of me. And yeah. it, I'm able to get the entire section in one uh, vertical photo on my cell phone. And she said, that's the, that's not the Asian section. That's just a bunch of noodles and salsas. I said, "Welcome to my choice." <laughs> yeah, there was paki we've though, got, so I got that going for me.
0: We've got a surprisingly high number of Asian cultures in the area, mostly Chinese, but there's also Vietnamese and Japanese and some others in our area. So, I mean, there's well, a lot of the there's major not a, fa-
1: uh, families here are uh, Italian. So there's a slant towards Italian uh, stuff in the supermarket uh, as a result.
0: Yeah. Huh. The, the, the secret to making good fried rice, you, you got to get your technique right, get your cooking times right, because fried rice is really dependent on your cooking time. The two th- most important things, get good rice, something like jasmine white rice, um, and use sesame oil. Other oil doesn't cut it. I mean, you can make fried rice with other oil, but... Sesame oil is where it's at to get the flavor right. Also, don't add your soy sauce until like the last minute or two of cooking. Soy sauce burns really easily, and it it tastes wrong if you put it in. Those are those Which are. Three I things imagine that's make. probably
1: the problem with a lot of fried rice I eat. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I've never a, tried making fried rice myself.
0: Yeah, fried rice is really easy. You can add obviously add things to it, but. You want to do it more like uh, at the end if you're going to add stuff to fried mm-hmm. rice except for egg because you, you want to cook your egg with your fried rice so it gets all that flavor. But anything else that you want to add to fried rice, add it at the end like when you add your soy sauce or even after the fact.
1: Well, I'm thoroughly hungry, so shall we move along?
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, can, we can go ahead and, and move on. Do a quick community corner and then I have to go poke the bear and get – a snack, yeah, you mean I'm discovery queue as well, yeah. What is a say community
1: say? corner? I was about to say, oh. uh, we're Oops. kind of through that, but if you wish to commu- uh, to contribute to the community corner, you can email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us, on the Twitter. See, I remembered it this time. Indeed. We usually just move so swiftly along by the time I remember it, we're already into the, uh, into the music. Speaking of which.
0: Yeah, go for the name. Song. Which I got
1: something immediately that's interesting.
0: I did too. Oh, yeah.
1: I got Deep Rock Galactic.
0: I also got Deep Rock Galactic.
1: Well, I got it first. That's fine. A dwarven mining game. I mean, this is probably right up your alley, but I'm stealing it. It's mine. Yep. It, it, it that's looks fine. very interesting. A uh, low-poly uh, survival uh, shooter, from the looks of it. Yeah. But that is definitely worthwhile, with one-to-four-player co-op. So, uh, uh, Left for Dead aspects?
0: $25 for the, the yeah. game. So it's a, a budget title? Right yeah, up, it, after it looks after like they're the estimating a one-to-two-year
1: development. So this is going to be cooking for a while. This came out recently. And this is
0: just, yeah, February 28th, so two weeks ago.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, it's, they're adding quite a bit to this. More game modes, more uh, very uh, cave systems. I'm looking forward to seeing where that development goes.
0: Yep, the first time that goes on sale for any amount, I will be purchasing a copy. And if the amount is low enough, I'll purchase two copies, and you oh. can have one.
1: And then immediately I get a lot of garbage. <laughs> I'm getting a lot of Tycoon games, <laughs> which uh, is it just me or has Tycoon become almost a dirty word in uh, a video game title? Uh, well, it, it us- I don't feel it that It usually way, means but... very, Oh, uh, what would the, the best way to say this is a very light on the management side of things and more of uh, almost clicker esque.
0: Yeah, the clickerest thing is annoying.
1: So I got another one. Demolish and Build. Uh, 2018. So I guess there was one before this. Uh, but pretty much just building destruction game. I'm good with this. It's interesting. I'm not sure how good it is. It has just 61 reviews so that doesn't really mean a lot. And there's a lot of people saying that's very laggy. But, hey, something different,
0: right? Yeah, it looks all right. Uh, I got one, Farm Together. This looks like a very, at least in terms of its art style, it's very cartoony, very relaxed. And it even says it's uh, a relaxing farm experience. But uh, it's a cooperative farming game.
1: And because I've been playing City Skylines recently, I got Cities in Motion 1 and 2.
0: I own both of those games. They're not all that great. Yeah, two is is all right. One is very flawed. But
1: here, uh, I'm not going to put those on the list. But here is something interesting. Is this? Yeah, this is multiplayer online co-op. Uh, so, Heroes of Hammerwatch, so, so a uh, top well top down ask adventure game. Uh, uh, like uh, the, the well, this is from the developers of Hammerwatch, which, if you don't uh, remember that or have heard of it, it was a mouse-driven fighting game. I don't remember that. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Uh, it was a mouse-driven 2D fighting game. Uh, where? You... No, no, no. Never mind. Never mind. I'm thinking of a different one. Uh, it's uh, Hammerwatch was another uh, exploration game. I was thinking something different then, because there was another game that has a very similar uh, name. That was, uh, you were flying blimps, and you had these gi- giant hammers. Uh, and you were trying to kill the other uh, blimp, and you controlled it with your mouse. Not one-to-one, of course, but uh, this is interesting. Uh, we don't see a lot of roguelites, uh, particularly the dungeon crawly type, with Full multiplayer, which Hammerwatch did have it, but it, you know, seeing another one would be is interesting. And yeah. this is pretty much outside of it lacking the uh, uh, turn-based combat is Rogue, from what I can tell. And I got so, one more at Vermont well, I have two years.
0: Yep, uh, Soul Worker. Oh, I, I skipped A over that. Play. <laughs> Anime action MMO. I'm not sure if this would be up my alley, depending on how well it handles the action in of the you know, that comes before the MMO. But uh, you know, I'm always up for a new to check out a new MMO. I, I honestly will probably play it this week. I hit play game, so it started stalling, and then I paused the install. So I'll probably be reporting on this next week. But. Yeah, it looks alright.
1: Well, I got Guns, Gore, and Cannoli 2. A, okay. a 2D uh, uh, running gun game from the looks of it. It d- actually doesn't look too bad. It's definitely not high fidelity. It's looks more in the budget range of things in the graphics. I was uh, taking a look over at the other one. It doesn't look, like I said, it doesn't look too bad. I've never heard of this
0: game. But it, it's rated fairly well overall. Both of them. What is it? Guns, Gorn, Cannelli, too. Yeah. But yeah, run and gun action. Uh,
1: trying to find anything really more on this, but it's just, yo. Know, not a uh, The game, well, sorry, that's the, here's the premise of the first one. The game tells the story of Vinny Cannoli and his mob, bo- and his mob family. Uh, set in the fici- uh, a fictional Thugtown, town circa 1925. The higher prohibition. Beneath the city, uh, overrun by zombies, there's a dark story of conspiracy and betrayal. Interesting. And it has four-player local co-op, at least the first one. I'm not sure if the second one went well, online or not. It doesn't really... Uh, it says online co-op, so looks like they added that. So, definitely, uh worth looking
0: at at least on sale I think so I got another one this is another MMO Project Gorgon uh, it's got a buy in so I assume that it's got <laughs> some sort of microtransaction market um, maybe no loot boxes I don't know I don't see that but it says unique experience blah 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 what blah, do blah, you blah. Trigger to stuff that- play to trigger all these MMOs I don't know I haven't played an MMO in a while Uh, but going through the whatever features, um, let's see. Shopkeepers keep inventory from other players to encourage the use of shopkeepers more, especially in new player areas. Uh, if you're experiencing an elemental damage like being on fire, you can jump into a lake to put it out. Uh, you can inscribe messages into items, write books, or leave notes for other players in the world. Uh,
1: and a couple... It's like it's more of a sandbox like than anything else.
0: Content, player housing that's not instanced, so if there's no... Depending on how big the PvP versus PvE is in this, it could... How long is this supposed to be an early access? And this just released today... Well, I guess yesterday, now. It says the, into pr- the price will access. also
1: increase after it leaves early access. And this is not a cheap game.
0: No, there's thirty bucks right now for its, and it's launch. Forty
1: sale. after it leaves, so it's going to be a full price. Triple A, well, triple A pricing, I should say, most likely.
0: Uh, That's. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some more research. I'm really tempted to buy buy into this. Start playing. I'll, I'll see if I can get a, a review key first, and then do a little research otherwise. But this looks like. Something that I would really enjoy if these systems even work half as well as they're outlining them here on the store page. What's that? You, j- so you just found
1: a... uh, your replacement to
0: Eve? Maybe. I don't know. Depends we'll see. on how
1: their mining system is, right?
0: Yeah, it's, it depends on how good the mining is. No, I'll, I'll do some research into this this week. Very quickly, let's see if it's on key It mailer. is. Oh, good. Request key. I'll give it about a week. When does it go off its launch date? It goes off on March 19th, which is next Monday. So maybe I'll give it till Sunday to see. But yeah, I'm thoroughly interested in the idea of a sandbox the concept a, a, for this a sandbox
1: game. MMO. Yeah,
0: I've played a couple Eve. and yeah, I well, yeah, but I've played a couple others besides just Eve. And I really enjoy the large amounts of player freedom and and things like that, but the ones that I've played before, you typically die (laughs) because it's, in the past has been a much more difficult market to get into, but MMOs have gone through a big lull and we've seen a a few new ones recently being released, so maybe this one might find a, a cult following. And if they do some sort of... Even though it would be terrible for any sort of PvP combat, if they did a peer-to-peer system as opposed to having servers, it would at least be playable without a big uh, population. Because there was a lot of fun, I don't know. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to stop talking about this and do some research later.
1: And that's it for
0: the Discovery queue. unless you really wanted to do another one. But I think we're good on this. Shit. Like a, a dummy, I closed that tab. That's my discovery queue. I have I have two games left. I got Heroes of Hammerwatch 2. As in also. Yeah, it do, yeah, it doesn't look too bad. And junk. So yeah, that's my queue done. Cool. DC. Yeah.
1: This once week. I got past all, well, I got a bunch of Tycoon and a bunch of City Builders. Which I understand the City Builders because yeah, city skylines. And have it a set, trying to figure out, uh, traffic.
0: I don't know what I've played to trigger... Oh, maybe Torchlight. Maybe. Torchlight's not really an MMO, but... Online multiplayer. Online multiplayer Let's and, see. uh, fantasy-based. Let's see what tags it's got listed.
1: Online co-op, online... Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of tags, actually. No. But, uh, Gorgon has early access, obviously, sexual content, so you're all over that.
0: I didn't even notice that one. Sweet. That's just a bonus. Massively,
1: uh, I think we uh, just uh, determined your class. Whore. Yeah. Manslot. With pink hair. Uh, massively multiplayer, indie, violent, and RPG. They don't have a lot of tags just yet.
0: Well, yeah, but it just released, so... It's been a very long time since I've actually started playing a game at the beginning of its early access period. Yeah, I think the
1: last one uh, I've, well, not counting ones that I did for Discovered, for not Discovered, you Sunday Sampler that I, I played early on, uh, I would say probably Besiege is the one that I've done uh, the most uh, from, uh, as it's updated throughout early access without being prompted or, yeah. It's like, here, try our game. Yeah, which hey, sometimes uh, the ones I try, uh, you know, that I'm prompted uh, are really good. Sometimes they suck, and sometimes they're a real surprise. So, like, uh, clone drone in the danger zone. That's probably the biggest surprise I had so far the in the Sunday sampler on the early access front. Because
0: I ah, went that really expecting to hate it. I'm really sad. What? I just clicked over to Reddit. Uh, Stephen Hawking has passed away what? at 76 years old. Wow. Just happened. 42 minutes ago was when this was put up. So I guess he died today. Yeah. Well. Or yesterday. That depends on time zones. Yeah.
1: Damn. I mean, he lived a lot longer than uh, anyone really had with... Uh, uh, now I'm blanking on what he had. Uh, But I know that the expected lifespan for... Yeah, uh, His disease was just
0: a few years. I think he had, I think he had ALS. Uh, I, wha, wha, I don't know what ALS stands wha, wha, for, I
1: couldn't, I couldn't recall exactly what it was, and I didn't want to make a guess, you know?
0: Amyotrophic lateral... Sc- I mean... Ha- uh, progressive degeneration of the motor neurons of the central nervous system, leading to wasting away of the muscles, and also called Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh,
1: but, yeah... He- he survived a lot longer than I think really anyone would expect with uh, Alos. Because it's, uh, well, it's terminal uh, uh, illness. Yeah. So, a uh, sad note at the end of the Discovery queue. Hopefully you cut the music mm-hmm. by now, because we don't need that music under this.
0: <laughs> Okie dokie. Well, let's move on from from that to the part of the podcast where I go first and tell you all about my things uh, I have a YouTube channel on the YouTube so you can find it by searching for Gaming Psychologist this week we have Kerbalcast stuff uh, the the next batch or a few uh, Kerbalcast archive shows obviously we'll have the podcast um, and that's about it for right now uh, I'm actually making a push over on Twitch to do some things, trying out some new Twitch features. Uh, that's Twitch.tv/jr4707. I'm gonna start putting up the podcast on Twitch. They have a relatively new feature called Premiere, which allows you to schedule a video and run it live. Um, obviously, the podcast will still be pre-recorded, but uh, I just did one without saying anything or posting anything anywhere, and it got 11 views. Uh, some of them were quick in and out, but it had five viewers that stayed for an average of, I think it was like 40 something minutes. Hopefully you uh, uh, have a link to the actual podcast and all that. Uh, I will. I didn't for that first one. I just was playing around with it, learning how to use it. And I was like, oh, maybe yeah, put a, a like thing, a QR but...
1: code or something.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll do something like that. Or just uh, be like, t- I have to do it. Uh, but on top of that, uh, I plan on putting some of my other YouTube content on Twitch using the Premiere system and see how it does. Um, starting with some older content just to like test and gauge wh- where things are going to go. Uh, on top of that, I also think that sort of a combination of YouTube fucking sucks, and I had never had any illusions about being like a gigantic YouTuber, but. There was always a little bit of growth, a chance to earn a little something on the side for what I did, and with YouTube's constant moving the goalposts, that really isn't possible for me right now. Um, Maybe if I really dedicated a lot more time and energy to it, but I want it to be more of a hobby thing, with hobby level time put in and growth and that sort of stuff. Um, So I think I'm going to try my hand at a little bit more Twitch streaming in the near future, uh, I'm doing some testing so are you gonna have and the figuring camp? some stuff out. Maybe. I'll push my man tits out there. Um, but I'm going to do a little bit of testing and trial with some different games, but sort of like a hobbyist level variety streamer. I've done a couple of extra streams the last couple of weeks anyways, like with Kyle and and some random stuff. So Just something that I want to try. I want to see if anything can come of it. I'm really close to being... Not Twitch partner, but the level below that one. Twitch affiliate, I think. I just need to get a higher average viewer count. And then I've hit the Twitch affiliate status, uh, which is like their first level of like monetization and increased tools and all. I've also been talking to my friend David from over at Left Stick Down about maybe doing like some sort of like streaming stuff. And or from him, because he does a lot of uh particularly with, I believe, Brawlhalla. So yeah, I, in, in the next couple of weeks, I don't have anything planned yet, but it's very important that I put together a schedule. Otherwise, I won't stick to this. So I'm still kind of in the testing phase. But in the next couple of weeks, as long as everything goes according to plan uh, and nothing crazy happens in my life, I'm not ruling that out at this point, uh, plan to see me on Twitch a bit more. Doing some more, some more. One of the things that I haven't quite decided on yet is whether to run completely solo or to drop into the discord channel and allow chat and things like that directly that way I think so you shouldn't
1: do to... uh, the full chat because that typically gets very messy if you get more than a few people
0: yeah but uh, I don't know I was gonna I don't have anything put together yet but I was gonna talk to you rage about maybe doing something and to you Kyle a little something special shark a little something something uh, but to you also Kyle and Ghost because you two have done Twitch uh, and I don't have any idea what that's going to be yet like I said I've got to sit down and plan some of this stuff out but it's coming and I really hope that it turns out pretty well I also don't expect to become a massive top tier level Twitch streamer but you know it would be nice to Well, to I don't think a- you're
1: annoying enough I mean you can be annoying at times but I don't think you're that level of annoying
0: Oh, thanks buddy I love you too <laughs> You have to admit
1: that there is a certain personality for the top level, both YouTuber and streamer.
0: Yeah. At the very least, I'd like to be able to grow our podcasting community because regardless, when everything else falls apart, the podcast is still like my top priority. And everything... Mostly because I'm on your ass about it. (laughs) Well, I mean, the podcast is the most important thing to me anyways. And so everything I do, I try to channel back towards the podcast. So at the very least have it be an advertising sort of trickle to get people headed towards the podcast. Um, But, you know, we'll see. I just want to put this out there so that people can start checking out my Twitch channel a little bit more uh, and see if that's something that you guys want to participate in. Uh, I skipped over the Twitter because I went to the Twitch, so let me go back to my Twitter. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at JMA4707. This week in particular, it was very political (laughs) and very angry political. Um, I blame myself somewhat. There's always at least a trickle of politics, but yeah, I went off the deep end yesterday, at at least of recording. So If you want to go see me explode. that, That was glorious. I
1: I wasn't sure. I was tempted to put uh, an applauding gift, but I didn't want to set you off again.
0: Yeah, if you want to see me explode on Twitter, head on over there and check it out uh from it was from Monday night, which was the uh the 12th or the 13th of March, depending on exactly when it was. Uh, that's
1: 2018. Haha. Well, someone could be listening current in the future. Year argument. No, no, no. Current year well, argument. I wasn't making a current year argument. I was making a Hey, somebody could be listening to this far down the line.
0: That's true. Well, uh, That's assuming true. that we survive that long, as a as a people. hello, people from from the future, we're from the past. Welcome. Uh, Everything kind of sucks right uh, now. Hopefully, uh, it's I'm, I'm you glad
1: are. you're listening to us from your box.
0: Yeah. Uh, Google Play. Uh, stop. Sorry. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to be my friend on Steam and chat with me about all kinds of things or invite me to play games. Uh, who was it? Someone invited me to play CSGO this week and I'm drawing a blank on who it was right now. I don't have Counter-Strike GO, uh, so I couldn't play that. But if anybody ever wants to invite me to play games and hang out, I'm cool with that too. Uh, and my Steam username is jarthur4707. I accept all friend requests and love talking to you lovely people.
1: And if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is cold brew.
0: Indeed, that is a inside baseball reference to <laughs> something that happened before the show.
1: Cold brew. So, uh, my channel still running on limited content, with focus on the podcast, of course, but also keeping Grim World going because that actually gets a few views. Uh, Nether wallop is doing somewhat well. Had. Uh, the Day of Black Sun, where I had a eclipse that somehow lasted a day and a quarter, and completely depleted batteries. Uh, can someone explain to me how an eclipse
0: could last that long? Tide goes in, tide goes out. Can't explain it. Uh,
1: damn Bill O'Reilly and his scientific argument. Uh, but, yeah, uh, well, I lost uh, a second person this week. It was the resident nudist. Turns out, uh, combat armor, kind of important. Who knew? <laughs> well, they uh, bitched and moaned every time I had them wear even just an armored vest. No, I must be free. Oh, my spine! And that's actually what killed them was they got shot uh, through the spine and it uh, killed them. Oh, but yeah, Rimworld's always a lot of interesting times, but that's why I like playing it. Uh, you can find that over on Gaming with Caffeine Rage on the YouTubes. Uh I'm still behind on recording Civ. I, intent- I intended to play it or-, or to record it Sunday night, but our recording time for the Betty Original Sin went a lot longer than I expected. And by the time I would have rendered it and got everything done, it would have been a little late for me. So I ended up just skipping again this week. Uh, which I don't think anyone has really noticed. Except maybe Kyle, because he hasn't been able to complain about everything I've done wrong. Uh, But speaking of Divinity, we are getting ahead of our content, so we should start looking at a release date to start that up
0: again. Hey, I'm ready. I've got all those episodes edited and already uploaded to my channel. Well, I need to
1: render them, so I need at least some time for them, and probably... I would like to get one more recording session done uh, so we release and we have a good month worth of content for whenever you get the plague again, or I get the plague, or the plague's involved somehow, you know? Yeah. Because that's been part of our problem is that we've just, either one or both of us has been sick. And, yeah, well, February just sucked for me. Uh, and Sunday Sampler, of course, is always ongoing, and I have some, oh, I have some interesting choices this time around. It's always feast or famine, and I have something that actually looks decent. That isn't gonna piss me off and I'll rant for a half an hour about a titty game, and the the gameplay in it. (laughs) Which, to be fair, you know, I shouldn't expect uh, great gameplay from a, a game that's built around anime boobies, but... Damn it. I want good gameplay with my boobies. I want to play with my boobies and have them be good, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, but you can yeah. find all that over with game and with caffeine rage. Or you can just find me on the Twitter where I tweet. Well, i tweet a little bit of political about the space force and I oh, Well, you know, that's breaking some treaties. Idiot. Uh, gaming with a CR on the Twitter. And I don't have a Twitch, at least just yet. It's something i intend to do at some point, especially with how YouTube has been a massive bastard. Uh, moving the gallpost, right? Yep. Uh, but, speaking of things moving along, uh, you could contact us as we move along to the ending spiel. Podcast at com with your letters, voicemails, Game-related topics, questions, or just tweet them to us at BGL Podcast once again. Our Patreon, patreon.com slash BGL Podcast, has helped pay for our Podbean account, Podcast.Podbean.com, which is the home of the RSS feed, show notes, and our presence outside of iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever Jared stuck us that is not up his butt.
0: You did it. What? You made the joke I was going to make. <laughs>
1: I've spent way too much time with you and I am unclean and you are a naughty, naughty boy. Oh yeah. Uh, but I have done a little bit of rearranging on the site to clean off some of the excess stuff. And something that we missed when we uh, did the site transition is, done, is our contact information on the actual site, but we were fighting the RSS feed at the time and just, it kind of slipped our minds. So that uh, stupidity has been, uh, well resolved and i did a little bit of rearranging uh, probably a little bit past due to do an art pass on that uh thing to be honest oh and also moved the uh player uh, so uh, the uh, the ability to actually play the episodes is above the show notes now it, it looks a little yeah. bit better actually at least in my opinion that i could be wrong but what I'm not wrong about is our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. And doobly-doo, our Discovery Cube music is by the same artist. You can find his work at incompudec.com and...
0: As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. bye bye now.
1: So, Stephen Hawking, that, that really sucks.
0: Yes, it does. <laughs> you don't have anything to say about that, do you? I'm not even going to try and make a joke. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was an excellent pillar of the science community and an inspiration to many people. STEM fields. Yeah, I, I'm just worried about uh, the future of
1: science because it just seems like there's just a lot more anti intellectualism than there used to be. But,
0: well, here's to hoping that Elon Musk isn't doesn't turn out to be a supervillain.
1: Oh, come on. He's totally a supervillain. He's going to build his base on Mars. Uh, he's already sent his car there.
0: <laughs> True. Hopefully he's he's hiring. Uh, do you really want to be a
1: uh, henchman of an evil genius? That, 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 yes. I've I played evil genius. That does not work out well, especially with all the traps uh, uh, laying around.
0: I love the tropes in in movies and TV shows and stuff that the evil villains have really good like health plan, health <laughs> plans and pay well and stuff like that. That's I hope that he fits that trope cuz I would definitely be an evil henchman for Elon Musk if he had a, a good health care plan that included eye and dental and and he paid well.
1: Yeah, but you have to wear the bodysuit and uh, that, that just does not work for you.
0: That's fine. I'd wear the bodysuit. Yeah, suit. but I don't want to see you Hopefully, in it. Hopefully. Hopefully I'd qualify for, like, an upper management position, <laughs> being that I have a master's degree. Uh, in, you'll campaigns.
1: be, uh, the uh, counseling for all the, uh, minions that have been beaten up.
0: <laughs> I could handle that. I can handle that. Bye-bye. Anyways. <laughs> bye-bye! <laughs>